0: Morning Project Presents.
1: And welcome back, everyone. It's that time again for a generic video game podcast. This time, we're clocking in at number eight, as one of the main topics on hand this evening, and that may be a controversial one, will be the RPG versus the JRPG. And I want to thank you for hitting that download button as you're once again joined by myself, Anthony, alongside. The most illustrious and greatest podcast co-host in all of the gaming land, Shidoshi.
2: Well, now I have to quit. Like I, I can never live up to that that introduction you've given me. So, I that I I it's like what did I say? You know, I go out before <laughs> quit, quit I, while you're ahead. Yeah, quit while you're ahead. <laughs> so yeah, now I guess I'm quitting. So bye everyone. <laughs> nice talking to you. Uh, enjoy this. Enjoy this thirty-five second podcast.
1: <laughs> some of our listeners uh, may appreciate that, and also uh, for those and some that have expressed their concern over my uh, uh, the aspect of worrying them. Uh, don't worry, we're back. I'm back, and I'll be sure to be watching that clock and reminding one every fifteen minutes, and a half hour, to get those nerves going.
2: Did you? If I remember like when totally on tangent, but do you remember when the? Um, like Backstreet Boys had that song about like Backstreet Boys being back, you know, Backstreet's back, all right, and stuff like that. I was like, I didn't know you guys were ever here. So I felt really like out of the loop. I'm like, wait, how are you back? Because I didn't even know you existed as something in the first place.
1: I'm going to hit a new low here on GVGP. And I really hope we don't lose uh, listeners for Uh-oh. this. Because, as everyone knows who've been listening over the uh, last 10 months, that we'd love to go on our sidetracks, off-road, and tangents. Uh, would you believe, while not the Backstreet Boys, that one of the most impressive concerts I'd ever been to, uh, maybe not in terms of vocal quality, but just in terms of sheer performance and entertainment, was the NSYNC no strings attached to I
2: it. was, I was waiting because you know what? I am a total NSYNC fan. So I wow. don't that – doesn't, that doesn't surprise me. I mean, okay, when I say Sync fan, I mean like between Backstreet Boys and NSYNC. I was always NSYNC. Um, I liked more of their songs. But yeah, no, that doesn't – you know, it's funny because, I mean, people kind of like crap on bands like that a lot and stuff. But they really do put a lot of work into their shows and everything. Um, you know, when I was living in Japan, I went to – no, I'm sorry. This was actually before when I was just visiting Japan. I went to the uh, concert for a, a singer named Ayumi Hamasaki. For anybody mm. who knows her, um, and that was like a crazy, crazy show. You know, and that's the thing is, like, I mean, like the, the pop stars. I mean, I know you. Some people might say like, I'd rather see, you know, Folky in a smoky cafe with like 15 people there, right. um, and that, that's cool. Like, I'm, I'm into that as well. But like. Pop stars totally go all out for their shows and just do like crazy stuff and costume changes and everything. So, yeah, it's kind of like hard not to have fun unless you're like one of those totally suck up people who just will not allow yourself to like that kind of music. But you know, you know, what's funny is the one of the best concerts I've ever been to, like how you're saying in terms of entertainment value and everything, right? Was Weird Al.
1: Oh, wow.
2: He puts on a hell of a
0: show.
1: I I believe I've heard that from others, uh, and I'd be lying if I didn't say I wasn't familiar with some of his work from old school VHS tapes and things of that nature, but... uh, I don't know how I feel about that. I like him. I don't have anything against him. I know he. I'm going to stereotype, so I hope I don't get uh, beat up for this. You know, I feel like he really does connect with the geeky, nerdy audience. Certainly.
2: Well, I mean, so I think the thing with about him is it's it's, and I, I think what you're saying is, and I I probably actually agree with this, is his music isn't the kind of music you necessarily just put on any time and listen to. Right, because that it's it's you know it's parody stuff. So you're you're like oh you you want to see the video and you have fun kind of watching it and stuff. But then you're like nah, I wouldn't really sit around just listening to this when I'm doing homework or or <laughs> other kind of work or stuff like that. So I totally agree with that. But when you put it into like a concert setting and it's and you're getting the kind of full show, then it's just a lot of fun because he he does like he comes out in the costumes for like everything, mm. like every song he does and things. And it's just it's just the entire time he has just so much energy and he's putting so much work into it so is he still doing stuff uh,
1: is he still staying relevant in 2015 or with the current generation yeah
2: I, I, I feel like he just had a album pretty pretty recently well I'm trying to think of when his last album was but I mean I, and I'm trying to think of what his last kind of parody song was but yeah I mean I, I feel like let's see where's his, his song? oh his his uh wikipedia is too long uh yes okay so is this album that's films not television oh my god discography so his last one was 2014 so wow wow but the one before that was 2011 so he does kind of like space him out hmm. you know so um yeah so i i know he is still around doing stuff
1: now as we've mentioned in the past to make this clear before i move on uh, i, I want to talk a little bit more about this actually While we don't claim to be a Japan-centric podcast, there's another show on this network that has that claim to fame. We do sometimes have a little bit more of an angle or tendency to go down that avenue. And I'm going to bring this back around to Japan kind of with a question for you, but uh, there's going to be a bit of a road getting there. Okay. I'm going to embarrass myself a little bit more. So back on the NSYNC thing real quick, I'm going to say two things. There are two things that stand out to me on that. Actually, three. (laughs) There's three. Uh, I'll never it's, forget.
2: Is it about like, how dreamy Justin Timberlake is? Is that what you're? Well,
1: say? Justin Timberlake is involved with one of the points I'm going to make. Like, who one.
2: ever guessed? Like, I mean, <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, did, 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 I don't know if I ever saw that. Like, he was going to be the breakout one or not? Because he had that, like, he had the curly hair problem, which I have the curly hair problem too. You know, yeah. but he had that curly hair problem where it's like, what do you do with it? And and he's always kind of like a little bit of the weird looking one. But yeah. Huh. Well, I'll
1: start with him. I, I, he did a beatbox performance that was pretty good. I, I always remember that. Uh, secondly, I'll never forget the smell of the arena because it was uh, because of all the women and girls with the, the gentleman I was with who, by the way, dragged me along and paid for my ticket. Uh, it, sm- it smelled like Bath and Body Works and various lotions and perfumes, which I love because… Sometimes like I've been to wrestling events and Obviously other... I've
2: been to plenty of gaming events where I will <laughs> definitely take that smell or the smell I've been in the middle of. So,
1: so I, I loved it. And then upon leaving it was funny. I always remember as we were leaving the arena there was a couple beautiful looking girls or whatever and they de- got a glimpse of NSYNC or whatever it was and boy they started crying and bawling their eyes
2: out. So okay, just 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 to confirm that I understand this situation, so <laughs> you went uh, so you were, as, as, a, as a young man I was about 19 Okay, you went to an NSYNC concert With another male friend Is that is this correct here? I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it I'm just saying that an, A typical person might expect Certain things of that situation You know When speaking of NSYNC uh, so concerts it,
1: <laughs> This is going to sound like the biggest load of Bullcrap but uh, it's one of my best friends, and he gave me a, he, he gave me a call or whatever, and he's like, he's like, hey, NSYNC is playing at the Rose Garden tonight, and uh, he's like, you want to go? He's like, I'll pay. I'm like, no, I'm like, I don't want to go to that because <laughs> we didn't have tickets or anything. He's like, no, we could, we'll get scalp tickets, and so we went. We they were like, I got to tell you, they, he must have spent ninety or a hundred bucks a piece on the tickets. Mm. But I would be a liar if I didn't tell you, like, I, it wasn't bad. Uh, also, part of the reason we'd gone, and this isn't helping my case either. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm losing so much credibility. This, And I know there's going to be tweets about this. I had seen, prior to NSYNC, I'd seen Britney Spears twice. Hmm. Oh, no, that's a lie. I saw her once before and once after. Hmm. But uh,
0: <laughs> I, I, but
2: I think I think for a, for a a young lad, I think Britney Spears is a little more understandable, right? But for 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 two guys going together to eight an insane cons and look, I want to be clear, like I'm not saying anything wrong right with it. I'm just I'm just saying that there are sometimes certain expectations you might have for that situation uh, when you hear that story being told.
1: Uh, I'll tell you the manliest concert I wanted to go to, and I didn't. The reason I didn't was because I didn't like the idea of the, like, mosh pit type area or mm-hmm. that type of... But I always wanted to see Rob Zombie. Mm. But I, but on a side note, I've also heard he's not that good live. But I, I don't know. I don't know that firsthand.
2: Yeah, but I've uh, I've had a really weird experience with concerts, like... Because I've seen, I've seen way, way more like Japanese acts live than, than I have American ones, and so like my American concert going is stuff like Midnight Oil and Tori Amos and Matthew Sweet and people like this. So, uh,
1: a useless fact: first girl I ever really kind of uh, I don't even know why I'm sharing did anything with looked like Tori Amos.
2: Ah, so was a redhead.
1: <laughs> no, but the face, oh. the oh, okay. uh, yeah, the, you know what I mean. The no, uh, good question, but no, but fate uh, in the face looked like hmm. her a lot. But um, but this is interesting. So bringing it back to, this is actually something I've always wanted to get into with you, and I don't, I don't think I've even gotten into it in private. So. I always wanted to ask you if you'd attended any Japanese concerts and then I'm just going to throw something random. I'm not an expert on this, but I could also bring this back to Final Fantasy and some more of the modern character designs. Uh, had you ever been to any of the Visual K-type uh, concerts?
2: No. you know, I, I mean like I would love to have, but um, I'm trying to think of which ones I went to. So, so Hamasaki Ayumi was my first one when I was visiting over there and then when I was living there – um, I so somehow my my host family they had tickets to Morning Musume and they ended up not using them. So I went with a friend to that. So I saw the entire like for anybody who knows, you know what, what like Hello Project stuff is. Well, so it was like Morning Musume and then Minimoni and a bunch of other like the kind of uh, subgroups and stuff. Not to cut
1: you off, I want to hear this. But is Morning Musume do, are they still going on?
2: They are, last I wow. knew. Um, their popularity is definitely like, if you know if you know much about Japanese pop music, um, they were kind of the AKB48 before AKB48 mm, existed. Mm, mm. And it was funny because back at the time, um, Morning Musume was considered to be like a strangely large group because at times they'd have like 11 girls or something like that. And there was always jokes because the, they kept fluctuating between how many members there were. Yeah, they were like the super huge group, and then, of course, you know, AKB comes around that, that has 48 people in the main group, and then all the subgroups, and, and so I think there's like 100 and some girls now, in the, maybe 200, I don't know, in the whole collective. And AKB,
1: 48?
2: Well, in, in the entire group, because there's... You're
1: right, right. I understand yeah, cause that, cause A- but like... Cause yeah,
2: well, because AKB, so... Because AKB, there's Team A, Team K, and Team B, and the original plan was to have 48 but I feel like some, for some reason they sometimes have more than 48 in that group and then they also of course they have like NMB 48 and wow. SKT is it SKT or SSR I don't remember if there are other ones but um,
0: no, I
1: will say this real quick on AKB before I lose my thought I, I am a subscriber to Crunchyroll and you may be able to watch this free online on the uh, non-pay version there is a documentary on AKB 48 on Crunchyroll I haven't finished it though hmm Yep. That's
2: like, I, that's kind of interesting. Yeah, I didn't yep. know that. Uh, no, yeah, I, I actually really like AKB48 in in a, in a way because they were kind of they kind of do what I always wanted Morning Musume to, to do, but they never really did. But so I once saw Morning Musume. Um, I saw this artist called Sonim, who I was just so totally infatuated with, and I, I still am a little <laughs> bit. Um, so I went and saw her concert, and I'm trying to think what other ones I saw. I saw. I think like a handful of just smaller stuff when I was in Japan. And then while living here in LA, I've seen um Hatsune Miku twice. The two times Oh twice. I know yes. you've gone once, I think last yep. last year. Yeah, the two times they did that here. How I, did you like that? It it was really in, like the first time I went it kinda sucked because I was off to the side and the technology they use for uh projecting her onto the stage. Like it works much better if you're in, you know, in front of it instead mm-hmm. of the side of it. Mm-hmm. But it was like – it was so crazy because, I mean, when you think about it, you're, you're basically paying money to go to a concert to watch video the entire time, right? Yeah,
1: that was my next question. Yeah. So did you feel – once you were there in a moment, did you feel any different than when you had a live human being there versus
2: a hologram? It so the funny part was, I mean, and just to be clear, you know, there is a backup band there. It's just the main Vocaloid, you know, Miku Mm -hmm. or like the lead singer or whatever, yeah, or Luca, whoever. Like they're projected on this video, kind of hologram stuff. Um, It's really funny because so the concerts, like like the concerts starting up, right? And you know, and and everybody's chanting Miku, 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 you know, and. She starts singing and 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 she is again. This is just video, but via the video, she's like rising up from the stage, right? And the crowd just starts freaking out, you know, like yeah, oh my god, you know, and 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 we love you, Miku, and all this kind of stuff. And it's really hard. Like I would kind of almost equate it in a weird way to wrestling, where mm. you go to you go to a wrestling show and you you know right you know that it's scripted you know that whoever's going to win the belt is already decided. But still being there and getting into that atmosphere and getting into the moment, you can kind of... Well, it's still an experience. Yeah, it's an experience. And you can kind of let yourself... like in, In a way that you might not when you're at home just watching TV, when you're actually there surrounded by people and you're cheering or booing or whatever... You can kind of let yourself get swept up in the in the imagination of it all.
1: You are suspending reality yeah. for the for the moment. So
2: the same kind of with like that. It's it's like even though you know, okay, I'm just watching a video of a character projected on screen that was recorded on a computer weeks and weeks and months ago, you know, it's still fun and it's still like I'm at this concert of this character and I'm seeing them live and stuff. And so there is kind of a, a cool like side of that when you're actually there live.
1: Mm. And I, I want to hear more about these concert experiences uh, b- before we move on from Miku. Uh, I'm going to burst your bubble. Okay. Th- one of our most loyal listeners uh, and top donators may be as big or bigger Miku fan than you.
2: Well, okay. So here's the thing. I know who you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> you can mention in a second. Um, okay. We'll mention who it is now. Then I'll but give M- my... Matt Tiger. Re- yes. So my rebuttal to that is, I am actually... And she'll appreciate this. You might not even know what I'm talking about. I am a far bigger Luka fan than I am Miku fan. So I actually do like Miku, but I am my allegiance lies with Luka. So mm. um, so she can keep the, the title of <laughs> of Miku's biggest fan, and I'll be the Luka's biggest fan. So,
1: uh, Let me ask you this, and I'm just regurgitating, uh, but this is gaming-related. Uh, is it not true that 3DS is now getting a... Hatsune Mi-
2: oh. We are getting. Um, so yeah, we did get. So there were there were two kind of main series in Japan for for Hatsune Miku and friends. Um, the first one was, PS- was on PSP, which was Project Diva, which was okay. the games that and, I. And I this loved. stems
1: back to years ago. I'm going to throw this out there. I'm going to mention warning, a huge podcast. The first time I ever heard anything about related to Miku, I had no idea what it was, and I, I think we're going to go back to 2010, 2011. And I remember you boasting about Vocaloid.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Now, when you say Vocaloid, and we use that term Vocaloid, is this all tied into Hatsune Miku?
2: Okay, so so what Vocaloid is? Um, to give you like the really quick introduction for people who don't know, is Vocaloid what they what they do? Like a company like Yamaha, for example, in Japan, came up with this software where they pre they they take a voice actor and they pre record that voice actor saying all the syllables in Japanese mm. or singing all the syllables in Japanese because Jap- J- Japanese is a very um, almost everything is consonant vowel. So it's, it's very, very easy to break Japanese down into all these individual little pieces. So they have these voice actors or actresses in this case, um, sing, like every syllable. They record that they put in the software. And then what you can do is somebody can buy the software and they can – simplified version, but they can type out what they want to be sung, and the software will sing those lines.
1: Well, that's kind of genius. That's You can get them – wow, that's that's. i got to let that sink in.
2: So the thought is, let's say you're uh, somebody who's a musician, right? And you're right. really good at creating music, but you can't sing at all. So instead of going out and having to find somebody to be the singer for your music, you can buy this software package and have a, a – virtual singer like Miku come in and then sing your music, your, your lyrics for your song. Wow! And then once you've bought that software, you're allowed to, to release whatever music you want and make money off of it if you want to or not. So the term Vocaloid is, is used for, and I'm trying to I'm spacing a little bit, if it's specifically one company's characters, or if it's all, the, all of them, but basically a Vocaloid is a virtual idol that exists via this software. And so Miku is the creation of a company, uh, is it Krypton? Kryp, Kryp, Kryptonic? Oh. Something like that? Crypt so, something or other. C, C-R-Y something or yeah, other. Just take a look. Um, Keep going. And so that company started with um maiko and oh i'm forgetting his name so there were two like kind of older characters and miku was kind of at that point a new generation of these vocaloid things of vocaloid software and she really really hit in terms of popularity and then that company released a few more packs so the next pack was rin and len which are these um two blonde twins so in that, in, that, in that software pack, you can have either a, a, a male or female singer. And then Luca came after them, where Luca is kind of this a little more, I guess you'd say adult, like a little more mature-sounding singer. Mm. And then there's other companies who have released their own uh, Vocaloids. So, yeah, it's basically software you can buy to to then help you make songs where you – don't need to have a singer in order to have somebody singing your lyrics for you.
1: Wow! So now I'm. A, it, has this been very lucrative? It looks like this initially released in January of '04. And yes, I'm using Wikipedia right now to assist. Like, because this thing seems like it can go on and on. Yeah, uh, and, it, it was developed. It was developed by Yamaha mm-hmm. Corporation and uh, B Platz.
2: Yeah, and so the the part where I'm a little unsure on the business side is how everything like rights work out. Like I think in order right. to use Miku, for example, a company like Sega for the games would have to go in and license the character. But then Sega has to also then go to anybody who's released music and license those songs because basically the the way this works is it's you know, it's a fan community. I mean it, it is fans making Miku into that character it's fans making Luka into that character that character exists initially but then you know there, there's no like official Miku music factory you know there's nobody making music for her officially mm. anybody who puts out a song using that Miku software has released a song from Miku so the the songs that really are are you know most well known for her are just whatever end up getting most popular in the fan community. And mm. so, you know, some people like you have everything from, you know, just people who have never made music before and they're just like, kind of trying their hand at it to famous musicians and producers and stuff that are doing this as like a side project. Right. So you can just make a song and put it up online for free. You can release your own CD in stores and anything like that. So all this music that exists out there and for Miku, there's no one company like controlling everything and that's what's kind of cool about it is is these these singers, you know, if you call them that, have completely been born and raised and nurtured and and elevated among the fan community
0: mm. so that, that's,
2: of- yeah, so that's one of the reasons why I think it's it's so it's so fascinating is just because you know it's us. As as either listeners or creators who are getting them to be wherever they're at, hmm.
1: you feel like uh, the popularity of Hatsune Miku is still riding uh, somewhat of a high. You still feel it's,
2: yeah. I mean, I like, you know, I don't know
1: <sighs> how many. Let me ask you this. I'm, I'm going to be Mister Business uh, Man. How many people, when you go to those concerts, how many people do they get in those uh, places? Oh, the places, they?
2: They, they were sold out every time, but I mean... Are we talking 5,000, 10,000? I wouldn't, I would say maybe probably closer to 5,000. Wow, that's still a good chunk. Um, and yeah, it's a question of like, okay, so w- when does this go away? Well, like I said, you know, Meek. The, the interesting thing is, you know, when you look at like an, a music, musical artist, right, um, you know, there can be scandals. They can decide just to quit. They can get married or pregnant or whatever, and not <laughs> right. sing for a while. There's right. all these things that can happen. Whereas Miku just always kind of exists, and That's her her musical style can change with the times, just because it's it's whoever's making these songs.
0: Wow,
2: you know she has no tastes on her own. So the question is like, how long can these things be around? Mm. You know, well, I I I don't know that there's necessarily a you know,
1: there isn't really an expiration date. Or, yeah,
2: because it's not necessarily a fad thing. It's more just like this is a way for people to make really cool songs. It just so happens that they're using this computer to be the one doing the vocal parts of it. Mm. Like, like I don't come into these songs because I like it. You know, it's Meek or it's Luca or whatever. I mean, there, there's a small part of me that might be like that, but the I like it just because I'm finding all of this interesting kind of experimental music out there you know so if i like a genre of music like pop or rock you know or indie or whatever well these this is just expanding my my options for finding that music Mm. you know so i don't know um but yeah so the the question you originally asked in the roundabout way is so that the the psp version was project diva and that was kind of the first what first existed, and then there was a game called Project Mirai, which came out for the 3DS, which we we didn't get for a while, and now it's finally coming here from Sega. Oh, I see. So,
1: so this title has actually been out a little bit, but now it's just finally coming stateside.
2: Yeah, because I played it. I played the first one a number of years ago at, at TGS. Wow. Now we're finally getting it here. Um, hmm. So yeah, so I've seen those concerts. I went to Kyoti Pamyu Pamyu for anybody who knows who she is and I went to perfume uh light year. I
1: know that name but I don't I I'm not getting an image
2: Yeah it's like a a, a trio of, of girls who do kind of I don't know like really electronica is is kind of necessarily the the right term for the genre but more kind of like synth pop stuff so
1: I'm going to put you on the spot, and I know it's different culturally and, and people wise. But from your experiences, did you enjoy the concerts more in Japan or in L.A.?
2: Well, I think the good thing about the L.A. ones I've seen um, is they were like they they were kind of a little more on the scale of of concerts I had really wanted to see, mm-hmm. you know. But also because because they were out of their native country and they were in America, and they were still like such a small kind of niche thing, like the concerts were way more intimate, mm. you know, and and <laughs> smaller, and and so it was, you you felt like you had more of a connection to them versus being this kind of giant stadium.
1: Well, speaking of that, certainly not intimate, but have you ever seen a show at the Tokyo Dome?
2: No, I saw I saw IU at Fukuoka Dome because that. that, that Pretty big. Uh, oh yeah, that was huge. That yeah, that was like you're talking like thirty, forty thousand people there. Wow. Um, but Tokyo Dome because I didn't live up in Tokyo, um, I never really had a chance to go up and do much there. So mm.
1: you haven't seen much of Tokyo to this day.
2: I mean, I go there for TGS, and oh, okay, right, you right, know. Right. So I, I've I've gone to like Harajuku and and Shibuya. And, and all those kind of like places like that and Akihabara and stuff like that. Um, but yeah it's, it's kind of like I've just I'm I've, I've been to Tokyo now enough that I, I do kind of feel like I know my way around a little bit but it's still mm. kind of a just um, visiting town for me so well wow. you know whereas Osaka is kind of more my hometown thing so
1: right huh. <clears throat> well sp- before we get off the music topic uh, this will be quick. Uh, I was at a store earlier, and I saw a copy of Theater Rhythm. I believe the new one. It might have been a first print. It had a fancy hmm. box for thirty bucks, but I didn't do it. But I know uh, you gave that game pretty high praise. I dare say on yeah. EGM now. Yep. Mm.
2: Yeah, it's it's a fun game. Um, I mean, you have to kind of you have to really have a passion for for that Final Fantasy music, or Square music overall. I definitely think Curtain Call, which is the, the sequel.
1: Yeah, I believe is, it was, I think it was that one.
2: Yeah, much better way to go because you get way more songs, and they fixed up some things, and they let you use the buttons now if you want to, which feels a little weird, but also it kind of works better than the touch screen sometimes. Mm. So, yeah, you know, it's it's a it's it's actually a really really interesting music game. Like I said, it, it is it is kind of you're either gonna love this music or you're not gonna care what you know whatsoever. There's no kind of in between, I don't think. Mm. Whereas like a, a Dance Dance Revolution or whatever, you can come to it and maybe you don't know the music, but you can still enjoy it.
1: Right. And uh, how about this? Lastly, I saw an update the other day while I didn't uh, study the update. It looked like there was some more news on Persona dancing all night. Oh, I didn't see that. Yeah, I saw it on Silicon Era, but I didn't uh, get too into it. But
2: Yeah, again, that's be really a weird one because, again, you kind of have to really be into Persona music. <laughs> Which I I mean I love the stuff that they do. Like I mean I love Atlas's kind of music overall just over the years. So I think it's gonna be a lot of just silly fun. Um but yeah, again, that's gonna be one of those games where just if you're not a fan, it might not have much to really offer you.
0: So
1: now let me do this because we're on a music uh, topic and we've we've touched base on visual K and and uh Japanese aspects. We usually don't dive right into our main topic until like five hours in, but maybe we'll try a little bit of reversal this evening. So let's. uh, The reason is is I can kind of tie in a little bit of what we've been discussing into uh, this little bit of an RPG discussion. Outside of that, on the back end to tease listeners, uh, we're also also hoping to discuss a little bit of our opinions on the whole Konami slash Kojima slash staying until end of his contract and or firing debacle
2: did, did something happen there i don't know i
1: uh, you know honestly i was going to turn a blind eye to a lot of this because i don't know if i was in denial or i'm just like you know i don't know what to believe out of him out of that company but it's to a point now where it's i think it is the real deal there's no oh more yeah, he has
2: yeah it has to at this point, no, it has to be. There's no way it couldn't be.
1: And before we get into the, the nitty gritty on that, I will say this before I forget. I just got done saying on a recent episode, maybe two episodes ago, that one of the saddest things I, that I'd see online on social networking is reading the comments section for Sega. This is, I mean, we have this recorded, this isn't fabricated. I would have never guessed that not only would I find a comment section worse than Sega's maybe ever, but not only have I found a comment section that's worse, I never would have thought I would have found it so quickly. <laughs> and that that honor now goes to Konami.
0: Hmm.
1: I mean, have you have you looked at any of the either the official Metal Gear or Facebook or any of that stuff in the comment sections on every time they do an update? No. Oh. Oh. <laughs> they, I mean, seriously, every time. I just I, I don't I don't even know, and I think I made it. I tried to make somewhat of a professional or mature comment like about it, but it's like. Every comment now is like someone putting a meme or like, oh, hey, this is a Hideo Kojima game. A picture of Kojima like modified or uh, th- th- every comment, <laughs> every single comment.
2: I, I, but I, I think on some level, like just comments on the internet period at this point. <laughs> But uh, look, I, I'm w- I'm with
1: you. I, I'm we've gotten to a little bit of that in the past, like turning off comments. And but the I make a note of the Sega example in particular due to Sonic Boom, and now this because this is like it's like social networking is such a big part of marketing or new details about titles present day that it can't be ignored. Even though I don't want to speak for you, but even though we're of the mindset of like we miss the quality updates from magazines and waiting for uh you know a really good piece not just this uh, instantaneous add style updates but these two in particular between sonic boom and this konami debacle it's just like you can't miss it Hmm. it's it's all over but anyway before we get more into that later uh, speaking of uh, maybe characters or visual K, which kind of gets stereotyped with androgynous style characters or what I like to think of as more of a mod, or like that glam rock or prettified look can actually lead into our Western RPG versus Japanese RPG discussion. Um, I'll just jump right in. Uh, Final Fantasy XV demo. Character designs once again by Tetsuya Nomura uh, came with the Final Fantasy Zero HD Remaster, which recently came out about a month ago. Uh, yeah, so I don't know. Uh, a little bit more background, I guess. You know, we've got what I like to think of as on the western end your more Lord of the Rings esque, traditional D inspired character designs versus your more Square Enix. Um, glam rock infused character design um and that's not the only thing we'll touch base on but let's just kind of go from there final fantasy 15 I've dabbled in the demo I actually have rather positive things to say overall but what what about you what do you think uh, what are your feelings on the kind of the manly manly traditional look which which I'm not saying is good or bad I, I think it has a place but versus the more uh fem uh, maybe female focused. I don't know if that's fair or this J- the Japanese visual K infused character design that Square has been pumping out for Final Fantasies on and off primarily for the last decade and a half.
2: Yeah, I mean, <sighs> you know, I mean, like I come at a maybe kind of different perspective at this and with kind of different wants and and stuff. So, like for me, like those character designs are are totally fine because that's kind of more the Character, I like you know, I, I'm thinking I don't know why it, it came up, but what was that? Um, was it Lords of the Fallen that game the, that was very uh Dark Souls esque, like it was seriously like a Dark Souls knockoff?
1: I feel really ignorant, especially being on a game podcast. Why do I know the name, but I'm not
2: uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm 99.9% sure it was Lords of the Fallen. So, okay, um, like the main character in that was this kind of older kind of burlier guy with like a bald head and and a beard and kind of tattoos and stuff and like that kind of character I just oh
1: yes looking at it right now and I kept confusing this on a side note I kept confusing that with uh, when I saw this on shelves with Shadow of Mortar Really? That's yeah, it just huh? that's me. That's that's hmm. just my ignorance. Yeah. I kept looking at that and people that's when that game came out and it was hot Shadow and Mortar and I kept looking at and I'm like, "Well, that looks like a Lord of the Rings character, yeah. doesn't it?" Right. Look, but you're right. Yeah. I'm on the, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about now. This game came out in October and wow, I'm shocked it was published by actually Bandai Namco yeah, here at yeah. Square in Europe.
2: Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, it was it was legitimately a we're just trying to Right. Redo the idea of Dark Souls and they they simply admitted to that. But so like yeah, like a character like that or um like was it Geralt from the upcoming like Witcher Three and things like that? Yes. Like those kind of characters I have just absolutely no interest in whatsoever. So so when it comes to like the the RPG stuff, you know, I definitely kind of skew more towards those kind of younger, a little bit femmier uh, Japanese style male characters but you know if if you're talking about like you know when I think about like the the male players out there and what they want especially like on the western side I can understand why they might hate that right because I mean like just taste between America and Japan are just so different in this regard and I think that um like it's it's weird because I'm thinking okay why do Japanese players like that kind of male character and I don't know like I don't know the answer to that you know on the Western side though I can say why they don't like that it's because that's not a it's not the kind of character type they want to be right like I think Western male players want to be this kind of big strong right. powerful kind of kind of kind of dude, kind of, right yeah
1: like the, not afraid to get dirty kind of burly hulking swordsman or like warrior and like you know heavy armor someone that kind of fits the traditional stereotype of that right. that warrior
2: yeah and then and then like on the female side i mean you know i think you know japanese women are tend to have more attraction to that kind of Well, I guess what we maybe call like a metrosexual kind of look, you know, like the the skinnier, kind of prettier, a little bit longer hair kind of guys. Whereas, you know, Western women, there are definitely women who do like that. But there's also those who do kind of like the, again, the bigger, stronger, burlier kind of manly men. So... It's definitely a cultural thing. You know, it's a cultural difference. And, and I said, for, for, for me, my tastes kind of maybe skew a little bit outside the typical cultural this. where I, I do like them at times. But I, it's funny, because I, I, on the physical side, I, I kind of like Japanese male characters. It's, it's more when we get into their mental and emotional side that I kind of lose most of my interest.
1: He, that's a good point. You know. Um, I, I have a couple things to say, but you keep going or, or, or I'll No, leave. no, go ahead. Go yeah, ahead.
2: Okay. So I might, might
1: surprise you a little bit, maybe not. I'm actually more on your side on this. Um, but like many things in life, you know, I can be spineless at times <laughs> and not give a, you know, answer one way or another as to which one, you know, is the right way or wrong way. So in short, I do like – the final fantasy visual style and what we've seen uh from like your gacked inspired Mm -hmm. emo style character but i will also say that you know part of that could be because we are in the west and we are used to seeing the opposite end of the spectrum regularly not that i have an issue with that either uh and i also think part of it has to be that we're both anime fans and i feel that that look kind of translates from like what we're seeing with some of the jrpgs you're getting like even in the the final fantasy like when i look at them i don't just see like visual k or glam rock or that i also see like oh okay wait a minute this is like your anime style character put into more of a high end 3d you know, graphical overhaul. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like bringing that 2D anime character into a 3D world, this is kind of what you get. So I think that's why I'm also accepting of that. Uh, I also agree with your point in that, you know, in the West, a, a lot of your guys may be more drawn to your more hulking and traditional style characters from your, I keep mentioning like Lord of the Rings and you know, that's kind of where a lot of that, what is, is that J.R.R. R. Tolkien, right? Right am i
2: yes yeah
1: so like from that you know he's kind of one of the masterminds of that that you know kind of laying that blueprint down so i i always like to give respect or you know as to where stuff like that starts or emanates
2: from well i also think too it's 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 kind of the you know character perspective right like in japan the stories tend to be more focused on like the younger characters because their their mentality is that that's the, that's the point in their life when you your kind of future is still open and you still have possibilities in front of you, whereas in the West, we kind of like our characters to skew a little bit older. This is an outstanding
1: point, actually. <clears throat> um, I want to say from the Japanese perspective, what opened my eyes a bit in terms of that was maybe everything from Evangelion to... Uh, Zone of the Enders, believe it or not, the first one in particular. I, I know there's a two kind of random examples, but uh, point is, is I've noticed you always start off like with that whiny kid, annoying, and you're like, "God, help me!" Yes. But then they mature. But like as the story goes on, they wait. Which wait,
2: wait, I mean, before you go on, like it's funny because there's a comic I was just reading, I think this morning, where it's it's um, the like somebody was arguing why they they hate Shinji as a character. And you're like, okay. So your dad comes to you, and he's like, "I want you to pilot this giant robot, and I'm gonna pair you up. And I'm gonna I'm gonna make you live with this sexy older woman, and then also give you this 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 hot redhead. And if you don't like her, I'll give you this little submissive blue haired girl as well. And then like Shinji's running away, like I hate you, Dad. You know.
1: But, but this <laughs> is the it's somewhat true, like. You learn the more anime or the more you read about the culture or you you know, you start to see certain patterns. You and you see that influence in gaming, obviously, as it carries over into that medium. That I don't know if coming of age is the proper term, but you always see from that youthful whiny butt that doesn't want to take uncertain responsibilities or rebels or doesn't want to, you know, take that next step in life, but then something triggers it or causes them to realize their fullest potential, and then they and then they go from there. Like you, well, know, except what,
2: for Shinji, who never does anything <laughs> in his entire existence. <laughs>
1: but you know, but you're exactly right on. Uh, and going back in terms of in the West, I, I think it's fair to say you usually start off with more of your mature, uh, a lot of times male or whatever. Your you know your warrior or protector, and you go from there, kicking ass. Right. So ultimately I feel there is a spot for both. Uh, I would also say stereotyping once again. I think Final Fantasy has the aspect going more modern day that I think it's gotten a lot of female uh, gamers involved. I think that may be an older aspect because I would say in all fairness, and I I am not educated on this series, but we can mention it. I feel in the mid to late 90s Final Fantasy not only Final Fantasy 7 not only expanded and helped out PlayStation but I felt it got a lot of female gamers involved. I would say that right now the RPG that may have done it and this is kind of surprising to me because I don't know a lot about it, Mass Effect. I noticed there's a lot of female Mass Effect players. It's
2: you know it's it's it is it's a weird one because like, I feel the same way, but then you kind of look at the stats, and I think it's like only only 18% of players actually play with a female shepherd. It's oh, like but, some, but, what, some really but, crazy low stat.
1: But what about – well, oh, I guess hmm. – now, are they taking that 18% as like taking it at face value? Like, okay, those 18% must be women playing? No, or? no, no. I, no that's, okay. just, that's just who okay. picks
2: – who picks the the female shepherd? Periods that would be guy players as well.
1: But what about consumers? Do you think that there's more than eighteen percent of that uh, playing that game, or, or no? No, I mean, of- yeah,
2: I mean, it's it, it's a good question of of like what what would the percentages be for other RPGs? Mm-hmm. You know, um, I definitely I I do feel like there are more female players playing Mass Effect. I would say another series um would be persona i think there's probably a higher I mixture, agree. a percentage of of female players playing a persona than like some of the other rpgs right. and then of course at least in japan um the tales of series is a really really popular series among mm. female players
1: oh i didn't know that
2: yeah yeah it's it's super huge in terms of the the female player population at this point which is kind of some of the reasons why you see the directions it goes now versus how it used to go so
1: now, interestingly, I, I know we're jumping around now, and I want to get back to Final Fantasy 15 a bit more. Uh, maybe some impressions. I will say that while I prefer that style, or you know, the persona, the Final Fantasy look, I will admit that The Witcher 3 has my attention, and usually that's not my thing, especially a Western RP. Like my Western RPGs, when I think of like people sitting at home are like, "Well, what the hell has he played? That's Western that uh, RPG." I mean, Jesus, like. My big days for that were like Might and Magic. I mm-hmm. have The Beholder, like those to those to me were uh, some big Western RPGs at the time, which were obviously all PC based. And then as I got back into the consoles in the later nineties, that's when we got back into you know that was the boom of PlayStation One. So I do have roots in Western RPGs, but not as much over the last decade. When I see The Witcher 3, as I've done some homework on that, I do like the overall look and animation. And I think what's uh, luring me in on that is the overall quality of that game. Like I can't deny the production values.
2: Right. Right. Yeah, yeah, you I mean, know what I
1: mean? So now that's a different a little bit different situation. My excuse there is is like cuz the other Witcher games and I heard good things about the other Witcher games. I got friends that played them and I remember them playing them on Xbox. They were into it and said good things, but like like you said earlier like you had no interest in that type of character. I had no I, same thing. You make me feel good because I thought I was the only person that looked at it that way, but I will tell you Witcher 3 I got to give it a shot based on production alone.
2: Yeah, I mean, I I do want to, but I, I'll, I'll be honest is that the problem I'm having is the point I'm at right now, I have so little interest in playing a Western RPG where I can't make my own character.
0: Mm. Um, like, I
2: just, I don't, I don't have any care whatsoever for that character of Geralt. And... You know, I mean, I can play a game, I can play a game like Uncharted, for example, with Nathan Drake, and I totally love Nathan Drake and, and, you know, play him as a character. But when it comes to RPG, yeah, I'm now on the Western side. I'm like, either I make my own or I kind of don't care because I have to have that investment in the game if I'm going to spend that many hours with it. So I, I just, yeah, I don't know. Like, I don't, I don't, there's nothing about him that interests me whatsoever. So, um, I I'm gonna I want to try it, but I don't know how attached I'm going to be to it. And I think part of the problem with that is just that from the very beginning. I mean, the reason I didn't like it's funny because the reason I didn't like Western RPGs when I was really young was because you did make your own characters, you know. And and back at that point in life, those games they had very very little story in terms of your characters, right? You know, I remember playing um, the Gold Box dnd games on the computer from ssi you know uh, uh cursed of the zero bonds or, or whatever else where you made your own party completely and they they had no story like their story was whatever you made in your head <laughs> right you know so that's kind of like why i like japanese ones better because all of a sudden oh here's you know alice landale or or you know here's um let's see the problem is dragon quest and final fantasy were kind of bad about that at first but you know there were these these japanese rpgs that kind of started having characters in them and so i got to like that a lot more but now i've come back circled around where i do like making my own character so i now expect that from everything western and so when you put me in a position where i can't make that character then yeah it just my interest like seriously drops
1: well, now, <clears throat> listeners are going to think I'm playing a gag on them because I still haven't gotten to my impressions on FF15, but I don't want to forget some yes. of the points we're making right now. So that's that's another interesting... One of the other things I want to get to, just to make a mental note, is that you know, one of my reasons for bringing this topic up at all is not only just for look and character design and that argument, which we've already gotten into a bit, but also is there a correct definition of what an RPG is, are the western rpgs of today which which are getting tons of praise and and I'm not arguing that they don't deserve it are they even really rpgs anymore or are they fleshed out sandbox-esque action adventures with a fantasy setting and millions of tasks to do i mean does the art is an rpg defined by the old old school in terms of being turn-based which i thought i'd heard at one time was performed originally due to computational power of the era that both sides couldn't attack simultaneously on old computers and that just carried down traditionally through Japan and now you even see Japanese RPGs really moving away from that so those are some that's some food for thought to to roll around but on um the back on the character creation side, I'm split on that too. I think it's an awesome thing. It's not something I feel that should go away. I think that would be really dumb of me to say that games don't deserve that or you shouldn't have that choice. I think it's awesome from a perspective of for people who are creative, for people who have great minds or people with uh, you know artistic skills. And I know they make this stuff a lot easier than it used to be. Like you know, even if someone doesn't know really what they're doing, you can make a cool character. So I think that's something that's that's a benefit and with today's with all the stuff they figured out with today's technology it's much easier to do than yesteryear with that being said i I do have a soft spot for games that kind of give you a character or maybe one two or three to choose from because i'm not as artistically gifted or my mind in that sense is it's it's lacking also, a piece of me does like to see the vision of those characters or of what the creator had intended, which you know could go either way. That could be awesome, or it could ruin the game. but
2: well, let me ask you a question you know let me ask you a question. yeah, because you mentioned Final Fantasy seven, right yes if if you could have given cloud short black hair. Instead of spiky blonde hair, would it have changed the story any? Uh, it, no. Okay, so if if you had made Cloud black instead of white, would it have changed the story any?
1: Hmm. No. I ha- people are probably wondering well, why the hell am I hesitating. No, but the hesitation comes from the preconceived notion of stereotypes, and it would have been a topic of discussion if he were in an interesting way, because African or black characters are such a rarity.
2: Well, okay, but I in mean, a lead, I, in lead I'm, form, I'm, and I'm not saying we make him that. I'm saying
1: no. I don't. You're if, right. Right.
2: If you're, you, if you had made him those things, oh, like would it have changed the game? And I, I think the, I think the. What we have to admit to is in a majority of games that are out there, I think we the stories are so shallow and so underdeveloped that that main character could literally be anybody, and it would work just as well. Now, if you take a game, for example, like the last of us, right? the last of us would never work if you could just make that character whoever you wanted. Because it's very, very specific about the character of Joel and his relationship to Ellie and who Joel is as a person and the fact he was a dad and he lives in a certain thing and he went through these certain events, all that kind of stuff. You can't change Joel. Joel's a very, very important character, that that central thing. But if you look at a game like Final Fantasy VII, I I would argue that everything that was important about Cloud on a storyline level could still have been there but you could have changed his appearance, and you could have potentially also changed even his gender to a certain degree.
1: Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be devil's advocate here. Okay, so what if you changed his look to Eris or Tifa?
2: Well, I mean, I, like, you're saying just straight up copy. Right, right now,
1: obviously, we wouldn't have to know what Eris or Tifa was. Like, obviously, we have a certain image of that because they are characters in the game. But like, what if you just magically? What well, if you took someone that looked like Tifa? And created that little model, and that and that was your cloud.
2: That yeah, would, I, I, that
1: would change it a bit, wouldn't no, it? I no, I
2: think ninety nine percent of that game wouldn't change. I mean, there's there, there's the whole scene when like, was it the honeybee where he has, oh, to, yeah. he has to like dress and stuff. Okay, <laughs> yeah, that's that, right. Y- that would obviously have to have some modification, but like <laughs> I, I I think you could have even on a base level said, okay, I'm going to make cloud male or female, and I'm make cloud this gender or that gender you know, I think you could do that and I think a majority of the story would still exist. And you could have people say, well, okay, what about Aerith and the kind of crappy little relationship they kind of have? Well, that could still exist. There's no reason why that couldn't exist if, if Plow was a different race or a different gender or things like that. So I think what I'm saying is the reality, I think, is that there are so many games where that main character really doesn't matter same on the japanese side i think uh so many of these like tales of games like i think you could have those main characters be anybody and still tell <laughs> the same crappy story now now witcher to be fair witcher comes from this you know i was there are actual stories right there were novels that were written about this character he is a developed character i don't think you can change the character of geralt Mm. you know i'm saying he's a character i don't really have a, 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 you know i find appealing so i don't really care about him but i i think you know it's important that he is who that character is but said so a majority of the games i play i mean even even stuff i mean i guess to be fair i can't say this for certainty but i feel like even things like gears of war and stuff like that that you could do some level of character customization on those characters and they would be the same thing So I think just so many game characters are just so shallowly written well
1: I'll give you Gears of War and I, and I do like that game but yeah I mean and they did add a female team member in three but yeah I mean all you need is a a hulking and this and it could be a female too you just need a hulking yeah. brute with a big machine gun and blow yeah. everything up
2: yeah so I, I I think there was a certain point in life where I would not have agreed with this you know but I think you get to a point where you see games like a, a Dragon Age or a, a Mass Effect or stuff like that, and you're like, "Wow, they can tell the the same story while letting you make your character and still have it be a story. Still have it, your character be somebody. You know. Mm. So I don't know. Like I, I I think we could definitely have a lot more character customization in this world, and I think that it would then make games more appealing to a wider audience. Right. So there's, There are certain cases, you know, there, you have Nathan Drake or Laura, Lara Croft um, or, you know, Geralt or people like that that you wouldn't want to change. But I just think a majority of the time, especially in RPGs, especially in RPGs, I think those main characters could be whoever you want them to be.
1: C- could I be a horrible human being before I get serious again? You mentioned Last of Us in terms of, you know, how changing Joel... To something else would, you know, ch- change the entirety of that. I mean, could you imagine if uh you changed his character model to, like, Hisumi of DOA?
2: <laughs> you know, somebody out there has done it, I'm sure. like Some people out there do the weirdest. The mods. Yeah, the weirdest so, mods in the entire world.
1: Now, <laughs> okay, so first off, so getting back on to, you know, defining. The, here's what another reason why I bring this topic up. I notice it seems that no matter what Square does with Final Fantasy, there are, I don't want to call them haters, there are people that are going to challenge concepts and question decisions made. Uh, Also, in a twist of irony, I was talking to someone about this and the joke I made was, it's so funny that there are so many people that challenge Final Fantasy in recent years, but I'll be damned if those games and limited editions still don't sell out more often than not, so it's a very interesting, it's a very interesting, finicky fan base, and with Final Fantasy 15, and I'm not saying this is like a 10, it's, we're only going off of a demo, I mean, I mean, if I'm speaking from my heart, and I'm going, I was impressed visually from the get-go, I thought the character models looked fantastic, you know, the color palette, the overall design looked really strong. Combat system seemed pretty good. The one thing I will stand by, and as many people have said in the past, even though they've dogged the series, Final Fantasy 13 from an RPG perspective, or especially in the FF series in terms of speed, options, fluidity, FF 13 for the most part had a fantastic combat system. This one seems different in some ways. I. I'm not as quickly adapting to FF15's current state of combat as I did with 13, but I have certainly not put anywhere near as much time in.
2: It's it's a really weird combat system. Um I mean, it's like I I it's it's weird because I you know, I mean, a game that I praise over and over and over again is Dragon, Qua- Dragon Age Inquisition, but um a lot of that combat is hold this button down to attack right? And that's kind of what Final Fantasy fifteen is as well. It's like, Really? You felt that way? Yeah, I feel like it's like push one button and do all this wow. kind of cool stuff. Just pushing this one button over and over and over again. Maybe I'm an
1: idiot. I felt like uh, like many Final Fantasies to an extent until you get used to it. I mean, I felt like there was an over- overwhelming abundance of options.
2: Hmm, yeah, I don't know. Like, I mean, I I think it's taking the complexity of combat away to make it Cooler, you know, like quote unquote cooler. But I mean, I'm not saying that necessarily a bad way. No, and I'm not arguing you. I mean, this is
1: interesting. I mean, and there's someone I'm going to reference, not by name. They will only be referred to as Mystery Fan. And I got into a side discussion with Mystery Fan, and this isn't someone we regularly mention on the show. Otherwise, I'd mention their name. So this is someone unique. And I was like, yeah, I was like, hey, Mystery Fan. Yeah, you know, I played the FF15 demo a bit and this and that. And what did you think? You know, I thought it was visually impressive. Uh, at the time, I hadn't gone through the whole thing. But, um, you know, I thought it was pretty strong. You know, the combat was, you know, over the top and crazy, which I like. Very flashy. I didn't say that I was in love with You know, I, I it took some getting used to, which I still haven't gotten used to it yet. Uh, I've only played it a couple times, mind you. But Mystery Fan was like, yeah, you know, I agree about the character models. You know, that looks great. And I mentioned something about the environments where I, I I'm not going to lie, I can't backpedal. I, I complimented the overall look of the scenery and the environments. And Mystery Fan goes, "Really?" He goes, "Man, he goes, those look like I can like those are like PS3 assets like Opres." I up-res.
2: said the exact same thing. So
1: are, are, are,
2: are you sure are you sure that I'm not Mystery <laughs> Fan?
1: No, I promise. Okay. So Mystery Fan said that and then Mystery Fan said um another aspect that bothered this person was and mind you the person did acknowledge that this is a demo and this can certainly change in the fold game that while the game was more open-ended and not as linear the person felt like they were just going through blades of grass or emptiness or space without much purpose Versus other titles that you know where you're you know what I mean where there's more importance or for certain items that you're looking for within the areas and so while this was kind of uh, uh, trying to appease or rectify certain complaints in the past from other portions of Final Fantasy this was trying to fix that but for what purpose So, so I'm done talking about Mystery Fan for the moment getting back to my own point of view. You know, I thought about that, and, and I think those are valid points, and I don't want to sound like a baby, but then I'm also like, well, and, and I'm not picking on Mystery Fan, I'm I'm speaking in general, like, you know, what do you want? Like, Final Fantasy got, thirteen got chastised for being too linear up to a certain point, and Square's argument was it was to move the story along, and it was done purposefully, and they were aware of it, and then it opens up later, so, like, you don't want that. But you want more freedom and exploration, and then you know, you kinda get that, but then you're you know, the argument is it's not as focused, or if it's if it's meaningless. You know, while Mystery Fan didn't say this, certainly, this is me saying it, it's like, you know, do you want to go back to a little bit more of a linear and focused approach? Now, on the flip side, and then I'll let you speak, the last thing I'll say for now, is this is where I get which this is where I mentioned Witcher Three earlier, and not not having played or owned any of them personally. You know, which are three in terms of what they promise and the scope of the game, and I'm sure the budget is through the roof. Is that you know we're talking about vast lands, worlds that feel like they have a history. I was watching a whole special on this the other day. You know, with depth, uh, side quests, and purpose. Like even a speed run, they said going from the shortest points possible from point A to point B, knowing what you're doing and skipping the bulk of dialogue, will still take more than 24 hours. So, like, okay, I get it. Like you know the in the world we, we're in right now, there does exist a property that is offering a lot of these things that you're requesting. So now we're going back to the whole debate of Japan either not being ready or taking too long with certain things. Are they still behind the curve? Is their vision misunderstood? Are we being too picky? Do we want all games to be the same? Do we just want Grand Theft Auto in RPG form? Am I crazy?
2: But, okay, so the thing I think is if you look at Western RPGs, right, haven't they always kind of been open world in a way, though? I mean, like, isn't that really, like, what they've been for majority of their life?
1: short answer, I'll say yes to that, but certainly the difference now between yesterday, even on PC years and all that, is with today's technology, like, the open-endedness of it is truer to that promise like i think years ago it was kind of like hey you have all these choices you can make with your character and yeah certain things might change and i'm going i'm not just talking early 2000 i'm going back 90s or whatever like yeah there were things they would do to fool you or like palette swap certain things or do certain like lame stuff with assets to make you believe you're doing something different but like nowadays uh, you know you you really can make an entire world you know what I'm trying to right, say, and explore right. different areas that you really wouldn't see on, you know, through path A versus path B, path versus C.
2: Okay, so if you then say, okay, we're going to have a very linear game, right? Then, in order for that linear game to work, you have to have a really interesting and captivating story. Mm-hmm. Correct.
1: No, well, I, yeah, I know you're going to beat me up on this, but yes.
2: So. I think where the problems happening is that there's just getting to be more and more of a divide over the kind of story a Western player wants and the kind of story a Japanese player wants, you know. And and I I think when games were simpler, it was easier to have a story that maybe like both sides could could be entertained by.
0: Okay.
1: But, are you saying that because there's more imagination involved? Like, there's a lot of things like, uh, this is weird. I'm going to go. So, like, if you look at stuff on Atari. Right. Stuff on Atari, like, no disrespect. There, That was a starting point and Right. were, like, I'm not trying to step on anyone's toes here, but, like, you look at something, like, you look at Adventure. I mean, good God. I mean, that's all imagination. So, are you saying, like... Because we let our imaginations run wild and everything wasn't so visually strong and like coming from someone's mind. Like because you see everything now, you're not imagining as much because everything's fleshed out visually. Whereas in in years past, everyone had their own little tweaks and vision on it because, you know, you're looking at little pixel art. Or limited polygon, and where things aren't like you're not. You don't look at the character's face, and you're not like, "Oh, that looks kind of like Brad Pitt." Right. Or you know, that looks like, "Oh, okay, I I get it." Like this person has this feature and this colored hair, but then you fill in the rest.
2: Yeah, I mean, so so let's say I put you down in front of a box of Legos, right? And I I say, "I want you to make a car, but you can only use ten pieces, like ten Lego pieces to make the car." Right. Right. I think most of us are going to kind of come to the same result when we make that, you know, because there's only so much you can do with 10 pieces.
1: Right. Maybe you, know? you got, you got the top, the hood, the four tires, you got like six pieces. Yeah. Right yeah you got
2: like, like a, like a big, you have a big block. You, you right. slap some wheels onto it. You put something that might kind of be like a windshield on it. You know, there's not a lot you can really do, but then I say, okay, now I want you to take a hundred pieces and make a car. Well, at that point, then, you know, how you express that car starts to become very different because there's a lot more like you're saying a lot more opportunity there for for artistic expression and and for really defining what all those things are and i think that's part of like what happened to gaming is as we as we went further and further along the divide you know between our our likes and dislikes came out because we had more and more of a chance to really define these characters and and to really make them something more than they could be before you know, when we had even like a Final Fantasy VI on the Super Nintendo, um, those were still pretty relatively small sprites, right? Right.
1: I love that art, but you, you're correct. Right. Yeah. I, so it's like, yeah. okay,
2: this is, this is Blonde Girl 1 right. and Blonde Girl 2. And Blonde right. Girl 1 kind of has a little bit of armor on, it looks like. And Blonde Girl 2 kind of has a little more of a mage's uniform, you know. But who those characters really turned out to be were more in our head. Right. So we kind of interpreted who they were. You know, because you couldn't have voices either, right? You so you so you know what you know Tara or Celeste's voices were 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 up to us to decide. You know,
1: D- that's another good point. Yes, much stuff is voice acted right. now. Yes,
2: but now now Tara and Celeste can be far far more detailed, mm-hmm. and they can have very specific voices that maybe you know Japanese players like, but maybe the Western players don't like. You know, or or, or vice versa. So. I do think that that kind of complexity has come in, and really caused that divide to to kind of be. I'm I'm like so now. I'm so lost. What are we were talking about in the first place? No, I don't know what this question is anymore. Well, but.
1: like I'm getting down to like uh, one. Well, so we're discussing thoughts on the FF15 demo, right? And then I was expressing that mystery fan had these issues with it, and then right, right. I had this feeling on it, and then I was kind of bringing it back to. In terms of West versus East, you know, is the, is the West more correct in having this sprawling world and maybe Okay, yes, yes, you
2: know. I'm sorry, yes, yes. So I think, so, okay, that's, that's right. So where this is actually getting to that point was, okay, so you take all that into consideration, so then you come up with a linear story, right? Mm-hmm. I think, again, because we have much more potential to kind of tell these stories, you know, be, so we get. A lot more specific in what our story is, you know, like in early cartooning, right? It was okay, cat chases mouse, right. right? Like that's that's the entire story, right? But then all of a sudden we get to super super detailed cartoons, and in the West, the cat, and the, the you know, the cat lives in the house, and the mouse is kind of like invading the house and trying to take the house's cheese, right? <laughs> and so the cat's like, well, I live here, I'm going to protect this house, whereas in Japan. It's this, it's this cat and mouse who are at a Japanese high school, you know, and they're living on campus for some reason with the students, and and they can talk, and there's this this whole funny weird you know community right. of cats and mice together, and they're like at war, you know. So it's like, like what they want out of that story gets gets as it gets more complex becomes different. So I think what's what's happened is, you know, because Japan is keeping their story linear, that. As those stories get more complex, there's there's far more places and opportunities for the player to get lost along the way. And I think just more and more Western players are getting lost because what Japanese players want from these these linear stories is not necessarily what we want. Again, it's because you're going back to younger characters, different mentalities, different cultural influences, mm-hmm. and all those kind of things. So I think that in the West... You know, we, we like the kind of open world because it offers that's what we want, you know, we want that exploration, we want that freedom, we want that opportunity to to become the character we want to become and do the things we wanna be wanna do, versus in Japan they they want to see this story of a very specific character.
1: I'm gonna be devil's advocate again, and I'm not saying I a hundred percent like believe in this, but okay. But could it be argued that gaming or what fans want is kind of wrong because <laughs> because even though you're going to get that freedom and exploration and a wide open-ended experience, while this is not an RPG, couldn't I also make an argument that while a game like the original Panzer Dragoon or second one, which is all linear, to me is a fantastic experience and it didn't have to have me go everywhere. So what I'm trying to say is, could a game with RPG elements and still rooted in the RPG genre that's more linear, not a perfect straight line? I mean, can I make an argument that if done right, that could be a phenomenal experience as well?
2: Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And, and I think I think the reality of what we call open world games, it's they are linear. You know, like I mean, I can't I can't beat Dragon Age Inquisition in any way I want to beat it, right? Right. Th- there is a set ending. There are set points in that game I have to hit in order to get to that ending. You know, in, and in reality, while I think I'm making my character do what I want them to do, they are all pre-scripted scenes right. that have been completely planned out from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, you know, it's kind of the illusion of us having choice while also following along this kind of predetermined path. And I, I do think you can still have the very linear stories and make them be good but again it's it's i think it's coming down to cultural differences coming out more and more as as games get more complex and just more western players are saying you know i can't relate to these japanese characters or situations or stories or whatever um and i'm lost you know like like if i can't i mean look i'll be honest um you know, I mean, if you have a company like Atlas, like I feel like I can always trust an Atlas RPG, right? Because I I really love their the way they make characters. I love the way they develop characters, and I love the, their storylines and things like that. You get outside of that, though, and I almost never can really just out and out trust a certain company. Um, I've played far too many games, uh, Japanese RPGs, where I just couldn't stand the main character. Because it was doing, they were doing cultural things. Like, I'll give you a good example. I don't, I don't remember if it was like a Manicamia or like an Alt. I don't think it was an Altaria game, but like one of those kind of like um like a Gust game or something like that. You know that that NAS published over here, where there was a situation where you know I had my main male character. And he was just a total doormat for, for a while of the game. I, I, I couldn't stand him because of that because he was just right. so spineless, right? And there's a situation where these two girls were almost kind of bullying him, like, the, like his, his, his teammates, you know? And the game gave you the option to either kind of let them get their way or stand up to them.
0: Mm.
2: It gave me that actual choice in the game. So I picked the option to stand up to them. And the character is then like, well, I really shouldn't do that because I think they're going to punish me even more. And then it went back and gave me that question again. So it w- actually wouldn't let me make that choice, even though it was giving me those two choices. Right. There was one proper choice, and that was the only choice I could actually make. So I had to have him be a doormat. <laughs> and, like, I hate that. And I'm like, I right. you know, I don't want to keep playing this game because I, I can't stand the character I'm supposed to be playing as. You know, so so I, it's just too many situations like that, I think, as we go on, where these cultural differences and what we want out of characters and stories is, are causing kind of like the Western players to feel more and more divorced from the Japanese RPG.
1: Well, uh, let me say this. So we've, we've discussed a bit of the character design direction differences between East and West. We've now expressed opinions on linearity versus open world and some of those decisions made. Before I touch base on maybe one or two recent RPGs that have come out, and it won't be for this type of discussion, but since we're on the RPG topic, I think it makes sense to talk about a couple of recent releases. I think the final aspect uh, I want to talk about uh, in East versus West RPGs, and, and this can kind of apply to both actually and you can tell me if i'm crazy. Uh and i'll pick on final fantasy first here for this. It seems like with the likes of final fantasy 13 and now 15 you know it's v- i feel like it's very stylish action over the top. Uh, is that kind of fair to say so far? Yeah. Like you stop me when i say something that's that's just wrong. You've got sword play, gun play, aerial combos, juggles to an extent, right? In my mind, because I'm such a big action gamer and I've said it a million times, like Devil May Cry, Bayonetta, all that kind of stuff, I almost feel like – oh, and another and another title that uh, deserves mention for – actually, one of the first I felt that really incorporated that style was Resonance of Fate for an RPG. Mm-hmm. But the more they try to move away from that turn-based combat – and I, I'm not saying I want that back. I, I don't, not really. You know, I, re- I don't really want that back. But the more they move away from that and they try new battle systems and combo systems and, and all these different kinks, it gets to a point where I'm like, well, even though this is an RPG, are we to a point where they should just implement a third-person combat system?
2: Like, do you ever have that feeling? Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, it's... it's and. It's a tough topic because I'm actually kind of I I don't know how much I want turn-based anymore to be to be fair. You know, like I, I remember like one of the first games that really I don't know if it's one of the first, but one of the games that really hit this home with me was um Star Ocean 3. You know, like I found myself absolutely loving that kind of real-time um there there were two things I found I really loved, like the real-time combat And then having uh, AI teammates, you know, not having me have to make every decision for every character, but having characters that felt like they were teammates, not just other copies of me to kind of control. Right. Um, So I kind of like both those things, but it is kind of a, 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 yeah, a weird, like, wow, can you even, I mean... To be fair, Persona, Persona can do it still, and some other games can can do it. But uh, yeah, I was like,
1: gonna I was gonna let you finish first. So I was gonna give my exceptions, but you you keep yeah. going.
2: Besides, so I I think there are kind of some games. Like I mean, I think I think it's harder for games for Japanese RPGs, especially now, to have that kind of turn based nature. You know, like, are we just finding it to be too slow at this point? Is that what the problem is?
1: I would think so, or I think there's a group of people that when they see a game is turn-based, like, I have some friends that, as a matter of fact, because they kind of see me as the gaming guru, like, they'll go out and buy a game, and, like, one of the first questions they'll ask me if I recommend an RPG is they're like, is it turn-based? That's the first thing that will come out of their mind. Now, mind you, these aren't – like these are gamers that have played for years, but we're not talking like you, – you know what I'm trying to say. We're not talking elitists or, or gaming historians. So I feel – yeah, so I don't know. I don't really have a straight answer. I just think – short answer, I think when some people see it, uh, especially in the last 10 years or so or people that are maybe of a little bit younger generation, I think they see it as antiquated. You know what I mean? Yeah, I kind of I think they're kind like, of like, oh, why isn't this like this? Or, you know, whatever. Games that I feel that should still have turn-based are games that were either originally... Like, if it's a re-release of a classic, they should obviously maintain that aspect. like I think stuff like Dragon Quest for those curious, like uh, Dragon Quest is always going to be like that for better or worse. Um, uh, for example, a re-release uh, that was great on 3DS a couple years ago. The um uh the saturn shin megami tensei helped me out the sci-fi the cyberpunk one
2: oh I, uh, uh soul hackers
1: yeah so you know stuff like that and you yeah. know what when you go play soul hackers even though it's a product of its time or from that era that actually hard tough as nails but that plays well like the characters and that feels right for you know because that's the way it was but for modern day yeah i don't i don't know uh and the funny thing is, is the more they move away from it, well, obviously, if you're not turn-based, well, you're 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 trying to get real close to a real-time combat system or modified. And it's like they tr- keep trying to do these tricky modifications. And, and in some ways, there is arguably more depth because in those combat fields, you're manipulating magic. You're giving some commands on the fly, which is a little tricky because combat's flowing at the same time. But the more they keep trying to fool with it, I'm almost like, well, isn't this almost like a Ninja Gaiden again?
2: Well, and you know what's funny? You say that like when you were when you were kind of entering into this. Like one of the things I thought was, um, you know, if you start because you were saying like, okay, these 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 fight scenes are kind of getting to be more like a Double May Cry or, right. or stuff like that. And isn't it funny that as that happens, then you're you're kind of like. I now expect it to play as well as a Devil May Cry. Yeah, you said
1: you beat me to
2: it. And and the yeah the problem is is you know when you have companies who were experts like the turn based thing right, and then all of a sudden they decide they want to do action like they're I think actions actually a lot harder of a of a battle system to get right
1: that's interesting to say right because now you're seeing examples of people trying to emulate it or implement some of that stuff and it's not turning out so. yeah
2: and i i think it's far far easier to see a, a development team's weaknesses in an action system versus a turn-based one and we when i am a player who's used to games like a bayonetta or devil may cry or ninja gaiden or whatever like that um when you bring a really half-assed battle system to me in an RPG, like that turns me off so quickly. Yes,
1: because we have experience playing like someone else who's not a, an enthusiast and maybe only has that RPG to go off of, and they don't play much. It can get by them, but you're exactly right. For people like you and I that have played literally everything under the sun, you notice it right away.
2: Yeah, and that and actually too. That's another kind of reason why. In the times that I've started to get away from Japanese RPGs, the ones that I have, that's one of the problems because I I play a game like you know not to keep harping on it, but the, the Tailed series, right? I think the Tailed series is combat is horrible, <laughs> and right. and yeah, and as it gets more and more actiony, I am like these guys just don't. I don't know. I mean, like I guess it was kind of always actiony, but like in the old days when it was still two D, they had like a really cool kind of 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 combat feel to it, but right. I just feel like these days, like it just—it's pretty, just like half-assed action.
1: Maybe we found uh, Platinum Games' new niche. Making, for up for, yeah. yeah, for upcoming Square NX RPGs, handled by the, Square, ugh. they do the combat.
2: I I'm all for that. Can you can you imagine a game like Final Fantasy Thirteen with like platinum level like <laughs> action in it? Like, oh my lord!
1: I, it might not be you know as crazy as it sounds. It might not be. That bad of an idea. Now, I will be fair for those listening because there's probably some RPG purists listening, and they're like, "Wait a minute, this, you know, how can you, uh, you know, how can you d- um, say such uh, blasphemy?" The I will admit when you do turn based or pseudo turn based, and I didn't always realize this, you know, in that extra time, you technically have the ability to add depth in terms of almost like a tactical element because you're sitting there cycling through windows and screens and sub options which may open up more opportunities than you would have in real time in an action game like Bayonetta or devil may cry but once again going back to that well that dead oars it, 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 they're looking so much like a devil may cry that it's like how can this not play like it it did, like there was that weird element in the combat system in ff15 where to heal and here it makes sense like in terms of going to a higher point to heal like in getting away from the action like that makes sense from a gamer perspective i get it but it's like weird like there's weird stuff like you throw your sword at a higher spot and then you like you it brings you up to that spot and you know you follow it and you watch the rest of your team and then you go back to you know on the ground and continue combat from there and you have some options from the air and I don't know. Like I just feel like I don't know what I'm trying to say. It's like instead of just giving your character the ability to double, double jump up or or hide behind, and there is actually the aspect of uh, like metal gear hiding behind certain areas, I guess. But mm-hmm. they make it they make it much more complicated in the RPG world, like because it's because it's not uh, an action, a third person action adventure at its heart. I feel bad. I feel bad because I don't know if I should feel bad that the west, the strength of the Western RPG, the real-time action element, has changed the JRPG so much that they're having to conform to what the rest of the world is doing to try and compete with sales. Like, I feel bad in that should they stick to their more traditional aspect and do what they do well, or do they stick to their roots and then get beat up for being antiquated and not... You know what I mean? Like... Well, I yeah, that,
2: that, that's the big question, I mean, because, you know, on the Western side, right, if if a company is only going to skew their game towards Western players, well, that's, a, that's a huge market, right? So they have no problem. Right. If, if you're a Japanese company and you decide you're only going to skew your game towards Japanese players, that's a very, very small market, you know? So you either have to decide you're going to be this kind of niche company who – only, I think there's like three options, right? You either are a niche company who only goes after these niche players, and then you collect whatever fans you might have outside, you know, Japan, you know, companies like, you know, like the Hyper Dimension Neptunia games or, or, you know, the Atelier games and stuff like that. Right. You decide that you're going to try to go after the Western player. And just hope that Japanese players will also like what you're doing, which is kind of like for a while like, like what Capcom did, right? You know, right? Um, or you have to be somebody that really has your own style and your own thing going for you that kind of transcends, you know, both those markets. Um, and it's hard and I, I i think i think square's problem is they're trying to figure out like what they're supposed to be and what they're supposed to be doing right and i i think with 13 the problem was is it was super heavily japanese you mm. know um whereas i think like twelve, twelve, 12 i think was a really really interesting game that kind of was its own thing and was appealing to all sides but then you know whether because of sales or internal strife or whatever, you know, Square Enix kind of backed away from that that direction.
1: Yeah, and I don't know. Well, let's say this: for, for Final Fantasy has always been known for each time out that it reinvents itself. So that's something for better or worse. Final Fantasy, I will give credit, even if they fall on their flat on their face with some versions, they don't do the same thing over and over. They can't. That's one thing they can't be found guilty of. But in terms of FF12, I saw that as at the time that was the best single-player RPG, MMORPG experience that wasn't online.
2: Oh yeah, I I, I when I played it, I loved 12.
1: Yeah, um, so, so that's that's that. Um, and there was something else I was going to say, and I'm I'm very embarrassed right now. I, I lost my train of thought on that. But, um, yeah, I don't, I don't, it's a, it's a tough spot to say the least. It's a tough spot. Um, while I gather my thoughts again, I'm going to bring this back to something earlier and I'll let you speak. So, speaking of all these RPGs, Western and Japanese alike, and going back to character creation...
2: Uh, what, Bloodborne. I haven't touched it. Really? Haven't touched it. Um, I I kept myself off of doing the review because I wanted to actually <laughs> be able to sit down and play it properly without rushing through it. Right. And then once it kind of, I heard the fact that it has some like loading issues, and they're they're trying to potentially do a a patch to kind of speed up mm-hmm. the loading. Mm-hmm. Then I'm like, you know what? I'll, I'll just wait a little bit and see if that works out. So, I,
1: I guess I owe it to the fans to be honest. I can't sit here and lie, and not that I've lied on this show yet. So I got Bloodborne, and I did make it a point to pop it in and play it some, because I'm very guilty of having some games that are still in my shrink wrap. Bloodborne is not one of them. I still haven't played my copy of Dark Souls two,
0: hmm.
1: but I've from last year, not the new one. But I've I have played Bloodborne. And I've gotta be honest at this point in time and I'm not throwing in the towel because someone educated me on how it works. Excuse my language, but boy, I suck ass (laughs) at that game. And and here's the weird thing, I pride myself on like I've gone through Ninja Gaiden, Ninja Gaiden two, like I've Yeah, but they're
2: they're totally different. It's a different animal,
1: so Totally different. Um I didn't realize there were a couple big elements that I was missing in terms of the uh, the blood it's not called blood I can't why well, can't remember the name right now but you have to take that back to your area and and change it out for experience and leveling up otherwise you lose it and if you lose it you have to go back to the area where you lost it and the being will have glowing eyes and then you kill that being to get your blood echo or that the blood echo's back Uh, So actually, people listening, I'm I'm giving an education if uh, uh, they don't know. I'm sure a lot of our listeners already know this, though. But that's one of the big elements that I was missing. So, And there's online message boards and things of that nature to help out. So that's the big key factor that I kept botching up. Now, I will say from what I've played of it that the visuals... i feel like that vision is more realized on playstation 4 i I, this is not like the new uncharted that's coming out this isn't something visually where you look at it and you're like oh my god but this is something where you can tell it's being handled better because of the hardware than like maybe dark souls and that's not a knock on dark souls or any of that um you know it still has that dark gothic overtone a lot of areas look somewhat similar but it's yet different at the same time it's not you know repetitive in terms of the same thing over and over and over but everything has a similar aesthetic and overall look um so enjoying a bit of what i've played i'm certainly going to get back into it and hopefully make progress also there is the official guide coming from future press who i i do like and they delayed that book. It was going to come out at launch at 400 pages. You can get it on Amazon, but it got delayed till this upcoming week on the 14th of April, as they've bumped it up to 528 pages to also include the first, the initial patch notes and changes and online elements. Hmm. So, uh, and I think it's only going to be about 24 bucks if you get it on it now. I know those books usually sell out. I know the Dark Souls one book back in the day sold out instantly. Dark Souls two book still exists. But this one's coming, so yeah, play bloodborne a bit. I know some people who are playing it and loving it and made a whole hell of a lot more progress than I did. Um, oh, I, I will mention <laughs> the first area, and I've heard there's other areas in the game, boy, some of it reminds me of Resident Evil four
2: hmm yeah i i I, 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 I could kind of see that, yeah,
1: that, and then uh someone also made a great analogy that bloodborne is kind of in some ways. Like a 3D Castlevania, but done right.
2: Yep, I've heard that too.
1: Yeah, so uh, there's that. And then we're going to do a plug uh, for you, for another RPG that just came out and I picked up, but you have a lot more experience than I do on it. Uh, You can go to egmnow.com, that's egmnow.com, and check out Shidoshi's latest review on Xenoblade Chronicles 3D uh, yes. for a new 3DS. Yep. And I just popped it in for the first time in my life, as I never played the Wii version, never owned the Wii. I just popped it in for the first time uh, earlier this evening. Played about a half hour. And uh, looks great. Looks great for a 3DS titles. You know, uh, in that respect, I'm pleased. It it seems like an epic, like a, you know, uh, very high quality. RPG. I have heard some people online say that they felt there was a bit of a downgrade from the Wii version and some people
2: Yeah, which I mean yeah there there definitely was. You know, it's but running on like a portable, it's actually Yeah, I
1: I think for I'm speaking for three DS and I'll be fair to those Vita lovers out there, you know, you don't get that resolution or that look. But for what we're talking about on three DS architecture, and this is obviously only for new three D S, which does have a spruced up CPU. Excuse me, I thought it looked great.
2: Yeah, and I mean, and like, let's be fair. Um, the the Wii version was like, you know, like what 480p. So it, it's not like you're going from this 1080p kind of HD game down to this tiny resolution starved, right. you know, 3DS version. Right. Um, so yeah, I I think for what it is, it's it's actually pretty impressive for the system and. I think this gonna be a much easier way for people to to play the game. Finally, and right. in some weird ways, that game did kind of remind me of uh, Final Fantasy XII. Uh,
1: it's so funny you say that because I thought the same thing in terms of like the character models and the art direction. It's on got them.
2: that kind of like that. The visual style is kind of the same. It's St- it's got that weird. It's it's kind of, but not really. An you NMR and I are RPG. on the same wavelength on this, and I'm yeah. so
1: happy you brought that up because, yeah. So on that, I totally agree. If I didn't know any better, I would have thought maybe some of the artists or, and what have you from FF12 worked on that aspect of this game. Right. But I don't believe that's the case because I believe this is the team that did um, Xenosaga.
2: Yeah, it it wasn't it. I, as far as I know, it was not any kind of really crossover. So it just had it had just like this kind of weird.
1: But a lot of those people, I think the team I'm talking development. No, 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 no. Are, I'm, I'm
2: sorry. I, I mean crossover with Final Fantasy XII. Oh right, 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 yeah. right, right, right. It just kind of yeah. It has it, this it, kind it, of weird like it's it seems like it could be a sibling, but it's really not.
1: Yeah, right. But totally has that look to, to yep. you and I now where i drew a blank earlier and i lost my train of thought this actually reminded me because the positive thing i was going to say on rpgs and jrpgs is not to be a total downer i just got done watching the new japanese trailer actually got dissected on ign where they go through it like second by second and what they see and speculate the latest xenoblade chronicles x for wii u that's looking really good uh really clean looking color palette looks good they showed a lot more of the stuff in terms of the transformations of the vehicles from um or excuse me from mech to like vehicle to even some water aspect like you know different terrain uh easily transforming on the fly to get from point a to point b now the funny thing is is the it's weird where we just got done saying xenoblade chronicles 3d for 3ds which was originally on wii has a little bit of that ff12 look in terms of the characters and stuff Mm -hmm. xenoblade chronicles x totally to me has a xenosaga look Mm -hmm. on steroids um but that's looking really uh really promising for that system
2: i'm i'm like not interested at all in it uh strangely Uh, let me get a bit more
1: specific i think for your like robotech macross anime fans of like 80s early 90s with those mech you know like robot dreams like to to play with something like that at home and interact with it xenoblade chronicles x seems like it could fit that bill
2: oh yeah no i totally understand that i think i think my problem is i don't I don't like giant robots in my RPGs. Mm. And, you know, I mean, there there have been a few times when I do give exceptions to that, but, but like, I, I watched like, the video of, like, you flying around a giant robot and what? stuff, and that just doesn't interest me in the least. Uh,
1: d- uh, you ready for this? There was a pink one there was a pink one. There one
2: that's not I'm not that easy Anthony that's not how no but works.
1: hey I'm going to send you I'm going to send you some I'll send you some stuff later <laughs>
2: you're like it's pink tech you're going to love it uh, It remind. you know what it
1: reminded me when I saw the pink because uh, uh, I'm so one dimensional it reminded me of the one from Virtual On
2: ah yeah <laughs> who I, I, I did okay fine I did use her when I played Virtual On sure alright
1: so uh, I I'm going to look
2: for this pink robot
0: yeah
1: well, they showed several – well, the video – it's the Japanese trailer, but if you go to IGN, they do uh, – actually, it's pretty cool. They did this with uh, Mario Maker U, and they've done it now with Xenoblade Chronicles X. They've done this with other games where they go through – they've done it with Metal Gear, and they dissect each section and, like, find things that you don't normally pick up on just from watching a trailer normally. And there were several different mechs that they showed and different transformations, and it was pretty crazy.
2: Yeah, I mean, no, I mean, I think it looks gorgeous, and, well, and so nothing against the game itself. Let me tell
1: you what, I hope they get this game out for Wii U sake, stateside, the end of this year, because speaking of RPGs, it's obviously official that Zelda on Wii U has been delayed till 2016.
2: Which is rough, which is really rough.
1: Now, that didn't surprise me, and I don't no. think that surprised you. The only reason I thought that had a chance of coming out this year, even though every other Zelda in history pretty much has gotten delayed, only reason I believed that it might hit this year is because Nintendo really needed the title. <laughs> yeah, no, you know what I mean? Like yes. I figured, you know what? Maybe they've got everyone working on this thing 24/7 and they are really going to hit the mark on this because Wii U really needs this holiday, you know, to stay, you know, to stay in it for a bit more. So that aspect did surprise me with the delay. Like if Nintendo was doing gangbusters and they were like number one or a close second, that delay wouldn't have surprised me one bit. But in the spot that they're in and you figure all that money and time is going into this development and they need it, that surprised me a bit that they're not making 2015 on that.
0: Yeah.
1: But on the
2: good side, on the good side though… We are getting Fatal Frame Five in in North America. <laughs> so That'll kind of like you know soften the blow at least the, for me. Uh, the
1: office. the pervy in me is interested in that, but I'm sure that's it's going to ruin the series.
2: Wait, because is it, it is it is it pervy? Yeah, uh,
1: like
0: uh,
2: is the costumes? It, it looks like they took a character model like from oh, Dead or Alive and boy, yeah, these costumes are kind of <laughs> huh. <laughs>
1: Oh, I don't hold me to this. Isn't don't they even have like the? Uh, and I could be nuts. Like, don't they have like the water effect, like the clothing getting wet? Yeah, and dirt? I, I,
2: I do think they. I do think I have seen that. <laughs> hmm. Yep. Look at there. There's there's her. There's her school uniform all wet. <laughs> look at that. Yeah. Oh Japan. <laughs> it seems like
1: they could do one or two things right now. That's that's one of them. Uh, what else we got on tap here? So, I think we did pretty well on the RPG topic, if you don't mind patting ourselves on the back. Before we get into some lighter, more lighthearted topics again, uh, another serious one on the table that we've already discussed a bit, maybe we'll just discuss it a little bit more, is the whole Konami-Hideo Kojima issue. I
2: I, I think at this point, I, I really think at this point, like, you can't say it's, it's, I mean, it has to be real, you know. I mean, because right. I, I think, I think we're at the, we've reached the, I mean, I know people were saying that at first, right? Because right. Because everybody knows how much Kojima loves to do stuff like this. Right. But you were getting to a point where, okay, you're actually legitimately you know, putting potential shareholders in a weird place. Yes. Um, you're you're doing things that could actually harm the your brand and stuff if this right. is just a joke. So I think there's no way at this point to, to still even consider that this would be anything but, but serious.
1: That is my exact mindset on that. Uh, when it comes down to losing money, company image, and things of that, uh, while those are very dry and unfun topics to think about or discuss in the realm of gaming, once you're affecting dollars there's no way this can't be real right uh the the craziest thing not to really out anyone but this is wide out open on twitter so this isn't uh any secret you saw the one uh, singer the one that's donna burke mm-hmm. who's saying that well, i believe the mgs3 theme uh the upcoming mgs5 the sins of the father theme which which sounds awesome by the way pretty much confirming his firing
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, and I say firing is crazy because it was never really said in that manage uh, in that uh, way originally. And I'm hesitating here; as I'm fumbling as I bring this up. So, for example, let's just spit it out. Donna Burke, a couple days ago on Twitter, said, um, "Yes, don't throw away the Kojima team's work over the last five years because upper management." fired a genius and so, i mean
2: i mean the, the of course the question with this though is you know is she really in a position to to know this for certain or is she just going off of what shit what she believes, you know, and what she's heard.
1: That's a good point. I have to admit I didn't look at it from that angle. I had assumed, when we know we shouldn't assume, I assumed that because she had worked so closely, maybe it was an independent contractor outside of that realm, but still worked closely with him over the years, maybe that's where I felt I that she knew. But you bring up a good point. You know, could she be getting sucked into the online feedback back and forth but I, I would boy i'd be surprised if
2: and i'm, I'm not saying that she doesn't know i'm yeah. just saying that that <clears> we do <throat> still have to take the idea that we don't have confirmation that she would know right but i mean at this point obviously something happened we we know something happened between konami and kojima right and and if we are now going off the assumption that he was fired like i, I I, I mean I'm I don't even know how to like phrase this next part because it's just it's just so crazy like this this is like Nintendo saying you know you know what Miyamoto we, we really don't want you anymore you know like what what other game company out there e- exists like it, what what other game company's existence is as dependent on one person. As Konami's is in regards to Kojima, you know, like, I mean, is there any other game company out there that could lose one person and just be in in have their entire game side just crumble? Is there is there a company that would be worse off? Was I'm, one I'm, person?
1: I'm thinking right now. I mean, back in the day, I would have said you Suzuki with am 2 But, you know, at the time, Sega was so strong. They had so many different divisions that, yeah. you know, and obviously even though he doesn't do much, if anything, with them anymore, I mean, Sega is such a shell of his former self that it doesn't matter at this point. But, um, yeah, because, you know, they had like Yuji Naka and all the different divisions and,
2: I mean, even Nintendo, even Nintendo with Miyamoto, right? Nintendo still has plenty of teams. They still have plenty of creativity there. I mean, I think it would be a definite blow to Nintendo if they lost Miyamoto. Right. The internet would
1: right. There would be so many YouTube videos and people. But Nintendo
2: doesn't crumble from that. Like, I mean, you know, with without obviously saying, okay, this is a studio where this creator you know it's his studio like obviously in those kind of situations you know you when you lose one person it can be the death of the stu- studio i'm talking like giant right game publishers like i cannot think of any that fall apart the way konami i have to i have to believe is going to fall apart <laughs> yeah
1: and mind you, we're speculating, but I'll tell you what even compounds this even further is that it's not only Kojima leaving most likely. Most likely, his team is probably going oh, yeah. with him. Yeah, so that's... Oh, yeah. So yeah. that's... I think that's the other part of it, too. So it's not like they're all going to stay behind Hunky Dorian and he's gone. It's like they're losing that division or section.
2: And... And, and I, 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 I... I like what, yeah, what... So there is a rumor... As to why this might have happened. Oh, it's, I got to it. hear. Please tell it's, me. It's I, one I, of the. I, it's one of the speculations. Can you please tell? And the the idea is that <laughs> Konami basically wants to get out of gaming
1: and. Oh, I did hear that actually.
2: And that their focus would be, you know, maybe. But like, okay, what do they want to move to mobile or do they? Because you know, a lot of Japanese companies are starting to move to mobile. Um, so do they want to move to mobile, or do they want to actually get out of gaming at this point? Have they decided that gaming just is not something they want want to get into, which in itself is an entirely sad, like, it's so funny, because remember those, remember those old, like, NES, um, like, gold, I mean, not gold, uh, silver, like, silver cover art Konami games, right? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, so I actually, like, I was just home recently, and I was going through my old posters, and I actually have posters of, Ultra? Like, was it Ultra? No, no, no. Not, not even the Ultra stuff. I mean, like, the comedy okay. stuff. Yeah. Like, I have posters of um, Goonies 2 and, and Gradius.
0: <laughs> right.
2: And things like this, you know? I mean, so you think about, like, just Konami's history. So, like, Konami getting out of gaming completely would just absolutely suck. Uh, but, like, what what has to happen? Because I, you know... If I would think like if it was a Kojima problem, right? Like if there was Kojima wanted more power, or things like that. I feel like that situation would have happened sooner than now, because Kojima has been saying for a long time he did he wanted to get away from from Metal Gear.
1: Is it possible that Konami really wanted him to continue with that series again, and maybe that was the la- I'm speculating that was the last straw, and he wanted to. After so many years, he he really needed to break away and take a break from it, and and be be creative in, in other ways. And they just wouldn't have any part of it because it wasn't a guaranteed amount of money. Like you know what I mean? It wasn't guaranteed X amount on return if he did a new IP again.
2: Yeah, I don't know. Like I mean,
1: I, I, I or I, I, we can go a bunch of different ways. We can be fair. Or let's go back to the original rumor. Let's say Konami's getting out. I mean, is it possible? Even though that would really like suck and suck for kojima i mean is it possible that it was a professional splitting and they were apologetic and they're like look this is just where the company's going so even though they're letting them go or whatever it wasn't like some people are like how could you do this because if the vision for konami is to get completely out I, I, like i'm not saying that's what i want or i'm sticking up for them but like okay that then that's got to happen or on the flip side, and I don't have anything to, to back this up, and I don't want to speak ill will or slander anyone. You know, could it, could it be that much of a challenge with someone like him there? That did just something or someone just a straw that broke the camel's back, and they like threw their hands up in the air, and they're like, you know what? When this is done, you know, we'll keep the property, and we can get someone else and pay them out, and have them do like a Western team or something, and and we're done with you.
2: So if it was that though, then then why, why Silent Hills?
1: Uh, explain a little more.
2: Like why let him announce that he's working on a different game? Maybe
1: because the, excuse me, maybe because the shit hit the fan that quick. Mm. You know, and, I, and now people are like going, "Well, where the hell am I getting off making comments like this?" Well. I've worked in a corporate world, in a corporate <laughs> environment. No, and I'm not trying to, no. And, no,
2: uh, no, no, I understand, yeah I, I, I
1: yeah. I mean, damn, there's been situations in the past where weeks go by and I'm feeling damn good. I'm like, you know, it work's going pretty good, got a little bonus. And then two days later, I'm wanting to turn all the tables upside down and, and, and uh, throw everyone's bags out the front door. You know what I mean? I mean, the point I'm trying to make is, all jokes aside, things can change quickly is, I guess, what I'm trying to say. And right. and he's been there 30 years, 25-plus years, and I think there's a certain level of respect for that. And I think there's a lot of things that go with that. But also when that's – there's a lot that comes with that. And I, and I say this to you, too, because I know you're a good worker. You've worked at different places. I know you've worked in offices. You currently work in an office. I currently work in an office – We've worked with high-end professional businesses. We've worked on the lower level, paying our dues in younger years. We have that wide array of experience. You never know what can happen in a corporate environment. I'm sure you've seen some crazy-ass stuff, as have I.
2: Oh, yeah, but I said, it. when, when your company, yeah, right, in, yeah. it, at least in terms of its goals to make video games, relies so much on one person, like something really has to go wrong there. In order for you to want to get rid of them said you know unless you are deciding to change direction or whatever so okay so let me ask you two questions and the first question is does konami as a game company survive without kojima and the second question is do you play the first non-kojima metal gear game that comes out
1: Whether I believe this in my heart fully or or not, I'm going to say yes and yes, but I'm going to explain the first yes. Okay, so like does does Konami survive? So let's, okay, let's do make-believe. Let's say tomorrow morning I wake up and they thrust me in Konami and like, guess what? You get your dream job, you hear Konami, we got Metal Gear. Oh, but here's the catch. No more Kojima, they're gone, so sorry, but you got to figure it out. So let's say my back is against the wall and I know this ship is going, this plane is nosediving. And they're like, look, <clears throat> let's say they've got some revenue or some a few, some money for me to spend. They're like, all right, you got to fix it. I would... I would go to a top high-end Western development team that's not... Ex- like, I would go to someone like a... Uh, I don't know all the Call of Duty teams names, but I would go to some, like the who are the the people that did Titanfall.
2: The respawn. Yeah, I would re-
1: yeah, I'd go to someone. I'm not saying I would go to them. Like I would go to like a respawn or a Bungie, and I know Bungie has a ten year deal with Activision. I'm just giving general ideas. Like I would go to a Western team of that caliber, and I'd have a conversation with them and go, "Look, this is." <laughs> I'm but mind you I'm putting myself in the position where like the gun is to my head and they're like look they're like look Anthony you got to you got to fix this we don't give a shit what you got to do you think you're so smart you, you know games or whatever okay so I would go to a west a top western team even though this is devil talk like even though this is like my worst nightmare mm-hmm. I'd go to a talent team someone who's at the forefront of 3D development and I don't want to sound like a backstabber cuz I love Metal Gear the way it is but then you look at okay, what's Metal Gear doing wrong, or where is it behind the curve in terms of Western development? Like whether it be from a control perspective, or where can we tighten up the cinema aspects? Do we go to uh, do we go to Los Angeles, or do we like do we look at some people like who've worked on stuff like um, The Last of Us, or you know people that have implemented AAA? stories and acting into their titles like these are the pieces of the puzzle i would put together in the west but they have the privilege of using an established property with known characters and reviving metal gear
2: oh god you, you give you, you give metal gear to rockstar
1: well hey, look I, I say this like if i'm in that like like I wake up tomorrow and they're like it's do or die. Like right. You know, like look, we'll we'll give you a million dollars and you think you're so good or you're so smart, so put your money where your mouth is, you know, because things aren't always easy. You know, it's easy to it's easy to play armchair quarterback when we got a team in place, but we're giving you you have to look at it like we have this established property of twenty five years and there's a fan base. Keep can you can it survive? I, I think it's possible. Now here's the tricky part that I think I think I I think one could one could have it survive and I think you can still put out an A product the interesting thing is would a DMC occur again now the funny thing with this analogy is DMC like ninja theory didn't do anything wrong and they did an no. outstanding job yes. and this was a totally this was n- this wasn't even a bad situation. This was just Capcom, th- which I think was the right move. They wa- they even said they wanted something different. They didn't want the same Devil May Cry. We're talking about this is the fifth entry, and and Ninja Theory did great things. Yep and the fans really turn their back on that. And we're not even talking about a situation where Capcom was out to screw anybody and ninja theory crapped on the on the lore of Devil May Cry. Now the Metal Gear aspect is much different because let's say I did all those things, we pumped we got a triple A product coming out. Something's got to be done about that social networking and word of mouth aspect because those fans will put a black eye on it. But Here's the other flip side. You know, do you work against those people? So, like, look, let's say I'm in that spot and I know those Konami enthusiasts, which I would be one, but, like, those loyalists are going to be cursing you and how dare you take Kojima's game. It's a Hideo Kojima game. In 25 years, it's trash now. Even though we know this is an A-plus game, I would market it to... All your other military enthusiasts in the West. That's it. That's Call of Duty, Destiny... Uh, Battlefield all those people those are the people I'm hitting up those are the people I'm hitting up
2: Hmm. I'm talking because I mean like like, let's seriously Anthony would would you as who you are not not putting yourself in the position of Konami you as who you are would you want to play a non-Kojima Metal Gear game? (laughs) because let's let's Uh, be fair uh, fair oh
1: okay okay I, I got my uh, no short answer no the only exception I got my dream already even though people didn't agree, I would have always wanted to play Metal Gear if I had to pick someone else's eyes it would have been Capcom and I got my wish kind of because Platinum did it
0: and that was right, the old Capcom right. team yeah so but, I, I mean, got I my mean, wish
2: yeah because let's let's be fair if as much as Kojima is is Konami, Kojima is Metal Gear like I also don't know if there's very many games out there that are so. Built upon one creative but, mind and one, you know, one over overarching person. You got and, me thinking
1: now, boy. There's some other things I could say that I really I know what I'd do, but keep going.
2: That that I <laughs> I you know, Metal Gear is Kojima. Kojima I, is right. Metal Gear. So like, right. I just I I the, the problem with I think I I don't I don't know the Konami survives this, and the reason being is. They have, I don't know, willingly or unwillingly gotten themselves to a point where they are the Metal Gear company.
1: I I tell you what, Shidoshi, honestly, and I know I wasn't really joking with my theory if I was Konami. Like, if it's do or die in this – I honestly, that's the route they have to go. Because, I mean – There is no Japanese – oh, there's something else I want to say too, and I don't know how this affects it, but I don't even know if I – Huh. Okay, I-, I can say this because this is rumored, this hasn't been confirmed. Uh, psh, this was on NeoGAF, so and they denied it. What if there was a Metal Gear Rising 2 in place? What happens to that? Does plat does platinum keep that and keep working yeah, on it? I I, would th- no,
2: I I think that still exists. I don't think that goes anywhere. Like I, right. I don't I don't think that's a, a big deal. Um you know the game the game I think that, that now does not exist anymore is, is Silent Hills. You know, I, I, that, that, that is a that tough pill
1: to, to swallow it. because the demo was so
2: good. And it's funny because, as said on Twitter, the fact that I never really wanted to see Kon- uh, Kojima make a Silent Hill game, and now I'm really disappointed that I'm never going to see Kojima make a Silent Hill game. You know, like, I... I I didn't want that, but right, once I and, knew I was getting it, then I was really curious to see what it was, and now I kind of hate the fact I'm not going to get it. I but, agree,
1: and I think that demo really—I I would say—and this isn't hyperbole—that Silent Hills demo goes down as one of the greatest gaming demos of all time.
2: Yeah, it's 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 pretty awesome. You know, um, for what a demo's supposed right.
1: to do, and yeah.
2: But okay, so so <clears> like I was going to say was that that Konami has gotten themselves to a point where they have basically killed all their franchises i mean they they made what seems to have been their best shot at castlevania
1: uh that one hurt me yeah igarashi's not even there anymore
2: yeah i mean because they so they they got they got one decent attempt at kind of remaking castlevania but then they, they blew it on the second game right um they have pretty much killed contra at this point i mean you could potentially bring it back but it's 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 kind of dead and then they've got perfect 11 soccer which is a thing
1: and now ea especially in the west because of licensing and stuff like that's even changed a bit because now fifa is kind of carrying the torch again
2: yeah they they completely completely blew the whole bimani thing like when that blew up between rock band and guitar here and everything, they did they they were there first, you know. They didn't kick off that whole push and then they, they didn't know what to do with it when they had a chance to do something with it. And then name me name me any other comedy game at this point that still exists.
1: No, right? I can't. I mean, outside you know? of those odd collections you'll get in Japan sometimes or re releases, right. no I really can't.
2: So I mean they they have done nothing. With their entire back catalog, they done nothing with their library. They are, at this point, the Metal Gear company, and that's all they have that people know them for.
1: The one that hurts me, I know you wanted Silent Hills, the game that I wanted to see, was Zone of the Enders 3.
2: Yep. Which was, supposed, which was supposedly coming, too. So,
1: I guess I'm just going to have to really put all my cards in on uh, Xenoblade Chronicles X.
2: So where does, um, where does Kojima end up?
1: You ready to punch me? I talked about this with someone.
2: Okay. Uh. And if you if you say Nintendo, I swear to God. No.
1: No, it's probably worse. I
2: swear worse. to God.
1: There, people are going to wish that I say Nintendo. And I'm going to give an honest... Okay. And I'll tell you why I'm doing this. Uh, this is not what I want. When Shidoshi asks me these questions, I'm not speaking from the heart of what I want. I'm speaking from the aspect... Okay, if I'm in Vegas... We're in Vegas right now. Right. And there's money on the line. And you're going, where is he going? A million bucks. He's going to a Western development team.
2: Oh, yeah. I, I, think, I think that's uh, pretty Oh, oh yeah. so
1: I need to get more specific. I'm going to say yeah. Um, Activ- Activision publishes Call of Duty. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna say Activision.
0: Hmm.
2: See if, if I was if I would have to make a guess along those lines, I feel like I would say EA. Uh
1: that would be number two probably, but I'm still gonna say Activision.
2: I feel I feel like what happens is I think I think what happens first is he doesn't go anywhere. He mm-hmm. makes a deal with, like
1: a tango gameworks type deal?
2: Yeah, like he kind of sets his own studio up right. and he makes an ex- exclusivity deal where that company really gives him the funding to get set up and get going again and everything. Um the big question like my my heart <clears throat> says Sony, but my brain says Microsoft. Like because we we know Microsoft's the kind of company that's willing to just, just I don't know out, why I don't
1: know why Microsoft's not on my brain when I think him That's
2: because I I mean because I mean, they're that's the kind not a company bad guess that is willing to put out stupid stupid amounts of money for stuff right and is there again like other than let's say Miyamoto or Nintendo going third party or whatever like is there a bigger fish you could snag right now than having Hideo Kojima's first independent game, right? Well, like that man, would be huge.
1: With that logic, I would love to see him go Sony. Then, yeah, you know what I mean, to Japanese. Like I said, co- but yeah,
2: I think Sony is the more sensible place he ends up. But I absolutely, positively can see Microsoft just putting out stupid money to to get him to come make this big new exclusive Xbox One game.
1: Couldn't they do it like a coming home party because his first title was on the MSX, right? That was the Microsoft X?
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's, there's your story right there, coming full circle.
2: So, I, I mean, like, but, okay, so and so here's a question too, and I think this gets really interesting. Do do we... I don't know. Okay, here's, here's the problem. So I guess it depends on what his connection with konami still is by that point because mm-hmm. i was going to ask like do we see him come out and announce something at e3 Because i feel like that before would come-
1: metal gear comes out in september yeah like to say hey i'm going to be doing this guys yeah. and yeah uh, I- i'm gonna say no
2: or, or do we even see him just come out and just kind of like make a wink wink you know like I- well he's
1: so cagey and so okay cryptic that he is the type of person that he could come out like a, with an article, of clothing, or something that nobody picks up on right away, right, right Right during the Konami press conference, and there's an illusion or hint there. Well, but
2: the, the, the thing is, like, like you're not going to see him with Konami anymore at this point, though, because I mean, you read like all the information that's come out about how he's banned from talking about Metal Gear. He's not oh, doing he, any.
1: Oh, I didn't realize that part.
2: Yeah, yeah, like, like, his podcast was killed. Why can't he even talk? Why can't he even he, talk about? Metal he's Gear? not allowed anymore to do. Any kind of, from my understanding, well, like any kind of like press for for Metal Gear, like I knew
1: Gear, the, like, I knew the like whole that? social networking aspect and all that crud,
2: yeah, like I, the I, email I think, stuff.
1: But I can't. That's cr- like, why would?
2: And I mean, I mean, like he's what, what are they afraid
1: it, of with that? Like, don't you need that guy to kind of like you got to figure? Look, even though he, and I'm speculating. Like, let's say he wants to curse that company out and curse everybody out there. Like with Metal Gear and under contract and the work he put in, wouldn't you think that he would still speak of that in a positive light? on the way out like why no, would you Of course
2: cuz yeah cuz it's it's I mean it's his game Yeah why know?
1: wouldn't you want him on even though it's the last push like wow I can't figure that out
2: But yeah I mean like that's that's what I believe what they were saying is at this point that Yeah like, and I think they, you may be right cuz they I can't skimmed do, it Yeah yeah they can't do any kind of uh And what? I mean like you know his his name's been pulled from all the Metal Gear that's, stuff and all that, the ZOE yeah, stuff I mean, and like
1: that. And every comment, the people are—you can guess this—they're taking those images <laughs> and they're putting his name right back in. <laughs> I mean, it is endless.
2: Yeah, it's 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 dumb, but yeah. So I mean, like at this point, you're you're not going to see Kojima come out for anything um, Konami related anymore. So I I do think at E3, even if it's just like you know, okay, Microsoft or Sony, right? like at at their at their press conference just randomly like Kojima just walks out and like winks and then walks back in the back Yeah, like he's like going to be doing you know? something with them. Right. Right. I so I I I, I don't know like I said I don't know what um his contract at this point because if if he is technically fired and he's just finishing the game up, you know, right. that that's all he's left on to do then I do wonder if he is allowed to kind of do that kind of stuff. So if I said, if I was a company that's trying to snag him, I would absolutely want him to be at E3. Because that just creates kind of this weird excitement.
1: Let me ask you this. This is, Do you think Kojima is the type of guy, because you know Metal Gear Solid 5 is probably going to be a huge title and there's going to be so many Easter eggs. Do you think he'll stick something in there that'll be tough to find for a while? That's something like cryptic or alluding to this situation in there?
2: Um. Well, I mean, I don't think it would allude to like a new game. Cause i, I no, doubt, I'm not, but, or yeah, I don't know like no. maybe
1: a little code message right. or something weird about this whole situation like even I feel if like I
2: feel like he's the kind of person who would,
1: yeah, I think so too,
2: you know, and make it make it cryptic enough that nobody can actually say you know right oh this was this was specifically this <laughs> so
1: if cannot okay, last thing on this. Let's say Konami – let's say they bomb after this and they just – they plummet like financially and they've got to – do you think they sell off those properties or do you – like what do you think happens with all their assets and properties like Metal Gear and Zone of the Enders? And
2: I think Metal Gear 6 is a mobile phone game. Oh, no. Yes. Can't wait to touch through Snake's new adventure. Swipe, swipe down to hide in the box. Swipe up to shoot somebody in the neck with the tranquilizer dart. It's going to be amazing.
1: Mm, I don't even know
2: what to say. I I think, I mean, the the thing is like Konami as a company is not going anywhere because they have their sports clubs. They have plenty of other things they're diversified into. So I I think, oh God, I hate to to even say this because I have to feel like that his existence of the company was still protecting the series in some way. Like I feel like this is going to be a new era of, you know, like Metal Gear slot machines. They can join and, up with SNK. Yes, <laughs> and just whoring out Metal Gear in whatever ways yes. you can. I bet you that's what me. The, f- the future is going to be for that series.
1: Snake is going to feel the wrath
2: of the power geyser. <laughs> <laughs> so even if we don't. Even if Konami's not making games anymore, I think they'll mm. keep those brands because that there's a lot of value in that brand.
1: Uh, I Okay, here we go. Here's more random. Oh, you ones. know,
2: ooh, like, a, like a Metal Gear uh, uh, music dancing game.
1: <laughs> yes. I, I Here's the nerd in me coming out on the show. Okay, speaking of pachinko and slot machines, <clears throat> in the town I live in here, in Beaverton, Oregon, in my town, there's like a little old part of town and there's like, there's like a cowboy boot shop, there's like a bakery, uh, uh, a bar, this isn't like in my, Im- the immediate area I live in is kind of ritzy, not that I've got any money, but you know, a couple miles away there's another part of town and there's like a little, like a little saloon and all that kind of crap, and anyway, in there, there's a few Oregon lottery like machines and stuff, right? and the one of them that they got in there recently on the end, you ready for this is a Shinobi one Mm. Uh, you know, a Shinobi gambling machine and it's so funny they're nerding me when I look at the art, the assets on it I can tell it's using the uh, the CG work from Shinobi on PS2
2: (laughs) what a great legacy for that game, isn't it? Uh, you know, it might have been
1: Facebook. I would give credit where credit is due, but someone was actually making a uh, – it might be far-fetched comparison between the challenge level of like Shinobi and it's the rewarding aspect of it in some ways from that to – I almost want to say like a Dark Souls.
2: I can't I can't wait for uh, <laughs> Solid Snake scratch-off tickets at my local 7-Eleven, you know?
1: <sighs> mm. Mm -mm. you pick you picking up mgs5 when it hits
0: i uh, so
2: (laughs) i am but the thing is is like i haven't played three or four yet
1: uh yeah they're uh, those are both excellent uh titles
2: but i do have the the remastered collection Mm. um so i really am meaning to get Back to them at some point and finally. Yeah, if you, go, them. you should
1: mess around with three a little bit one day. When I say a little bit, that means you could sit there forty-five minutes and barely get to the.
2: But, yeah, the problem is, like, I, I I did try playing three at some point, but like it just felt so weird to me.
1: The, at the beginning.
2: Yeah, and stuff that like I kind of just the, didn't give it much time.
1: The, now I haven't played it in years, so like if I touched the controller now, I'd be terrible because I've forgotten it. But the controls in MGS4 were very overhauled. Mm. Much overhauled. You know what I mean? More modernized at the time, and um, that was an excellent game as well. Some of the, I swear I'm not, and this is not an exaggeration. There were a couple cinema scenes in that game. I, Shidoshi, I'm telling you, were in excess of sixty minutes.
2: I have heard that. Yeah, it gets just a little bit crazy at some points.
1: The ending of that game, if I remember correctly, the last chapter was well over an hour. <laughs> Yeah. But
2: um yeah, maybe now he can finally go and live his dream of being a movie director. You know? Hey,
1: wouldn't that be something? Could you imagine if he left the industry and just went to Hollywood? Yeah. That'd be something, huh? You never know. The first ever 7-hour uh, movie in theaters.
2: I'm going to laugh when when he does like make an exclusivity deal with like microsoft to make this his gigantic new franchise on the xbox one <laughs> and then it's like a match three puzzle game or something like that you know <laughs> <laughs> something where you're like what in the world are you doing kojima
1: i always said if i was in an industry or i was a developer i think i might have said this if i was a developer i said instead of doing some awesome game or like action game that i'd want to do my dream i'd probably just stick to doing a puzzle game I mean, made- I
2: mean, I I think as a first game, I would definitely – like like I, ac- right. I have actually had ideas for puzzle games. And so I, I think as like your first attempt at something, that would be a really good thing to do mm-hmm. because it would be simple. But you can kind of see like if you have the concepts of what makes a good game good, you know. Right. So, Right. Yeah.
1: Well, as we move along to our final uh, portions of uh, episode eight of the Generic Video Game Podcast – I think everybody knows this by now, but uh, you can find the main site at radio.morningproject.com. You can always subscribe to us on iTunes, the whole Morning Project family of podcasts, everything from our very own generic video game podcast to the nichiest podcast ever to Warning, a huge podcast. You can find myself on Twitter at 24BitAJE. That's with the number two and the number four. Find my co host Shidoshi on Twitter at Picoeri, P I K O E R I. And then lastly, our email address, which I believe is on my last page of notes here at, oh, gvgp at morningproject.com.
2: Yeah, I know. It's just, just I'm like, oh, I should really check our email. Um, I'm going to read our email here we have Uh, some we we do i mean as and and we're
1: coming off episode seven which was listen mail but uh it sounds like we've got some fresh mail here once again for those listening as we queue up our latest that's gvgp at morningproject.com this
2: is from our listener uh olivia wilson
1: oh that's a new one
2: (laughs) yes who says um hi we are an IT company based in Australia with development centers located globally. <laughs> we mainly specialize in mobile app design and development and have worked with some of the largest companies in different countries like USA, UK, Russia, France, Australia, to name a few. We mainly develop end-to-end mobile apps, mainly, should say mainly a lot, um, mainly for Apple devices and Android. We also provide website development and digital marketing services to our clients. Please let us know if you do have any requirement, and we would be able to offer you our services. Now, the reason I read this is because we actually have a follow-up from Olivia, which it's kind of weird because her follow-up email actually came into our email address before the first email. Really? Which is a little suspicious, but it says, hi. Hope you're doing well. I was expecting your response on my email, as was mailed to you yesterday. Let me know if you're interested, and we can discuss this further.
1: You said that's from Australia.
2: Um, is that where she said she was from? Let's see. Yes, IT company based in Australia.
1: Is this uh, Anne going under an alias and pranking our show? No, this is no. This I is know, just, I'm this teasing. Just, yeah, this is just I'm teasing. I'm no. Teasing.
2: He's not Anne. <laughs> You know, I've known like a disproportionate amount of people in Australia.
1: That's why I bring it up. It's crazy. I, it, it's insane.
2: Cause, like I've had a lot of online friends <clears throat> over the years that have been in Australia, right? Especially a lot of like female friends. Um, I don't know why, but like every, like half the females I know like live in Australia. Really? I don't. I'm not sure why. Pretty is, all but. pretty
1: big gamers or what? Uh...
2: Um, not all, but a, a number of them have been gamers. Yeah. yeah.
1: Gaming market is strong there as it is many other places in the world, uh, which is I'm weird because sure.
2: I hear I always hear that like they're getting just you know shortchanged on everything and yeah, is it,
1: like very expensive. Yeah, that, in another country that's got horrible prices, it seems is Brazil.
2: Oh yeah, yeah, the stuff down there is just horrible. <sighs> right, because of the like, isn't, isn't that weird? I think it, I think it's weird. Like it has to be made there, otherwise they tax it very very heavily. Yeah, so. weird. Yeah.
1: Now did we get? Was there any legit email? No, that
2: that was the only email Oh, we That's kind of sad. It is. Well, sad. you know what?
1: Though, in all fairness, to stick up for ourselves, I think the last couple shows when I did the email uh, shout out, um, I don't think I called out GVGP. I was using the previous address.
2: Hmm. I don't know. I'll check and <clears> see. But
1: yeah, generic.
2: Yeah, because was, that, was, that was getting definitely spammy. So I right. But let me check.
1: But um, so let's see what we got here. Uh touched on kojima touched on rpgs how about something a little off the wall here um and i've watched a lot of extreme stuff over the years everything from pro wrestling to violent video games to horror movies and what have you but are are you a little taken aback at the fatalities in the upcoming mortal Kombat 10
2: well i mean those those have always kind of been a weird thing for me anyway
1: are you taught over the years like through its whole way
2: yeah i just i don't i don't like that super kind of level of violence and stuff but
1: this is this is way out there
2: and the and i this might be dumb but i think the (laughs) thing that bothers me the most is you'll get like the the mid-match scenes they're called like the x-rays right okay i've
1: seen some of that online
2: yeah i was tried with mk9 where you get like this mid-match thing it's like oh look i just crushed this other guy's skull like or the skull like shattered right (laughs) and then it goes back to fighting normally it's like i just shattered your skull like how is this even happening like it's just so stupid to me like i don't understand why that's cool (laughs) because it's like well okay I, i i it doesn't mean anything. Like, you know, there have been, like, kung fu movies and stuff like that where they do that kind of stuff. Right. But then those people, like, fall to the ground and they're, like, in- incapacitated, you know? Yeah. They're not just, like, back fighting like normal. So, <laughs> but I don't know. Yeah, I don't – you know, and I mean the thing is, though, is just, like, I'm not saying, like, I would ever want MK to change. Right. It's just not for me. Yeah, you know? I don't want to like,
1: sit here and be like, oh, they should change it because if people heard yeah. that from me, they'd be like, I'm the biggest two-faced face. Uh, you know, after the stuff I've seen or whatever. But at the same time, I was just, just that statement, I was taken aback. Like, I couldn't believe it.
2: Yeah, no, but they're, they're like, they're really kind of. I mean, I think, I think the problem is, isn't it like they have to keep upping the ante?
1: Well, this is like, uh, let me put it this way, not to make light of it or to make light of horrible situations, but like, some of the violence is so crazy in MK10 on the fatalities that it almost becomes comical. Right, You know what I mean? Like, it's very dark. But, like, I mean, I I saw this one fatality. And I've only watched a few of the fatalities. There are videos out there showcasing all of them. The reason I haven't looked at all of them, at least yet, is I don't want to spoil it. I want to have a little bit of surprise when I get that thing home. But, man, I saw one, like, the opponent's arms got crushed in, the top portion of their head cut off, and then, like, a cigarette put out on the inside of their (laughs) mouth. and I was like... Man, like, and I saw one other one on Instagram because the game leaked early in some areas. I don't know what the hell was going on, but that wasn't Scorpion, but someone did some projectile maneuver and then it went into the opponent's mouth and inside their body and wound up ripping out, like, all their insides and spine, and I was like, holy moly. Yeah,
2: yeah I guess I'm like, like I, just... I don't know what's, I don't know what's, le- I mean, I don't know
1: what's left.
2: yeah. I but you know what I did find funny is so there's a character called Cassie Cage in MKX. Um, she's the daughter of Johnny Cage and Sonya Blade. Oh,
1: okay, yes.
2: Yeah, and so she has uh, a fatality where she does something horrible to you, and then like grabs your body, and then takes a selfie with you, <laughs> and then and then like it zooms out, and it's like showing you a screen of what's kind of like a fake Facebook. <laughs> And like she posted it on Facebook, and there's like a bunch of comments coming on the <laughs> bottom and stuff like that, you know? But what's funny about that to me is then you then look at <clears throat> Tekken 7. Is it, is it 7 the new one that they're working yes, on now? Yes. Yes. Yeah, and there's that new character. Um, oh, God, is she from like. The Latina, the hot looking. No, she's not Latina, though. I, I, I thought she was like S- Southeast Asian.
1: Well, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. She's got the glasses, So the shades.
2: She has a an attack where she grabs you and does a selfie with you. <clears throat> oh really? Yeah, so there's now two fighting games with two female characters wow. who who do have like selfie attacks. I didn't know that. Um, so it's kind of this new trend.
1: Uh, there was something else I wanted to say about MK and I can't remember now, but it was uh I mean Jesus. Yeah,
2: I about- no, but yeah, it's they're 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 really like crazy and over the top and I yeah, like I said, you know, if that's what you're kind of into, that's that's cool. That's your thing, but it is just, I don't know.
1: It's insane. I mean, I, I, it's uh, could you imagine? Could you imagine? And obviously, because of the visual quality and where we are with the, you know today's visuals, but like, could you imagine being that put in front of the Senate in 1998? Oh, God, yeah.
2: It's it's so funny. It's so funny how to look back and like what people were complaining about back then. Oh you know and it's just like that. It that's such comical violence compared to like what we have now
1: right yeah
2: I mean, I mean remember remember when Doom was like a like a super huge like horrible thing
1: yeah and, and people I mean there are few like didn't a couple of people kill each other and you know kids doing stupid stuff and right. getting influenced and and uh I would argue that yeah, look, I mean you look at it, it's still the enemies and stuff are sprite based and it's obviously really primitive, but you know, it still does have a lot of um demonic imagery. The the one but, big but, but the big flaw fair, though, the be, big flaw feared. I think I know what you're gonna say, the big flaw with people is though, they think like you're the devil or some demon or whatever. Right. You're ridding yeah. Yeah. So I mean, that's the funny thing. But you were uh, killing demons. Like, right. like,
2: like, if you had changed that to where like your main character was a Christian and he had like holy weapons <laughs> and stuff like that, like that would have been a huge seller in the Christian community. I bet you. Go so. go by hexen. Yes. <laughs>
1: um. So yeah. So I MK MK is on the horizon. Uh, you have the privilege
2: of reviewing it. Uh No, like um <laughs> my, my coworker is reviewing that because he's way into that kind of – like I'm typically the fighting game person at the office. Right, but right. uh yeah, he's he's the Mortal Kombat person, so I don't have to play
0: that.
1: Mm. Hey, how about uh, in wacky news on GVGP, you ready for this? You know I'm always an advocate. I always like to get my plugs in for Retro Gamer. That's pretty – well, Retro Gamer and EGM, of course, because you're an EGM. So retro gamer from the UK—that's my foreign
0: publication—and
1: mm-hmm. uh, we got EGM. Guess what I saw on on shelves recently?
2: Uh oh. Um, <laughs> I, I, I'm not going to guess. What I was going to guess? I'm just going like, to. Like, I,
1: I hate to say this. It's like, a, like it's like a cockroach.
2: <laughs> okay, then it's what I was thinking. <laughs> What, like, what, did you, what did you see on story shelves,
1: Anthony? I don't, I don't know. I swear that thing's been stepped on at
2: least twice. I saw a new issue of Game Fan. What? <laughs> I'm really curious to see because I have seen the digital version of this. Um, I have Look, not I, seen the physical version.
1: I, I'll be fair. I like the physical version more than digital. That's just because nine times out of ten, that's how I like it. And ironically, how the Game Fan relaunch in 2010 was of an oversized comparable to Rolling Stone size, but high paper quality, as much as that was trying to buck the trend of standard size publications, especially at the time, this one's kind of doing the opposite. And it's not traditional size, but it is smaller. It's not as small as Mega Fan, the original Mega, the first issue of Mega Fan for those few that remember listening. It's bigger than that. But I'd say like similar to like a National Geographic size, the the shape is a little mo- – it's a little bit different than that. But like somewhere in that realm to get a visual for those that haven't seen it. But anyway, long story short, I, I don't know how but it's it's just the little engine that keeps on going.
2: Which I mean the sizing thing is kind of weird to me because like bigger I can understand because bigger is going to stand out a little bit more on store right. shelves. but. Smaller can get kind of dangerous because unless you're like on the very, very front shelf, it's very easy for your things, your 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 magazine to just kind of become hidden. If, if anybody
1: lines. from that team is listening to this, which I'm sure they're not. So before they go bad-mouthing me, I did them a favor because <laughs> that magazine was towards the back and you are correct. Uh, the only reason I saw it is because I knew what it looked like and I was looking for it. I put it in the front. There were four copies that they got in at my Mm. local Barnes & Noble.
0: Mm.
1: Yeah. They can thank me for buying half of them. (laughs) Did you buy two? Yeah, I I gave one away as a gift. Ah, okay. And then I got an extra. Now, are you still in a hunt for a physical?
2: I mean, I'm going to go look at it. I don't know if I necessarily need one, but... I'm curious just to at least see what it looks like
1: if you if you don't see one and want one at some point, give me a holler, let me know and i'll I'll try and hook you up or something so let me know but I, I do know there's at least another issue in the works I was seeing online, so the thing that amazes me not to harp on this too long and give them uh, too much exposure the thing that gets me is I don't know how they're getting the advertising and all that in there. Well, the thing... That's what gets me.
2: No, that's, that's, that's the thing. Is um, It's not how you get the advertising. It's how much you're getting for your advertising. Oh, oh, oh. I mean, because but, when I, when I, there was one time I did like a fanzine thing, and I had advertising in my issue, because uh-huh. I, I, I said I would just give people the ads for free, because I wanted just to... It was like a test issue kind of thing, and I wanted just to give kind of just the look of how it would look as a professional you know, kind of publication. Right. So I got plenty of ads for free. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's how much they're getting right. for each ad. And then of course the thing with ads too is, is once you accept ads, you generally want to make sure you get the, it almost looks like kind of comic book size. I'm looking at yeah, a photo here. That's,
1: that's, uh that's fair to say.
2: Yeah. um, You have to be very, very careful about when your publication goes out because if your um if it comes out way later than you promised then advertisers get very very upset. Yeah, because
1: the ad is not it's almost like null and void because it's missed that opening window of launch or whatever.
0: Right. Mm. Mm.
1: But yeah, that was uh that was some insanity that I saw around town. I'm not going to sp- I'm just going to go through a couple things I got on my notes here, but it's it's just literally going to be blazing through it. Uh, I subscribed to my first, uh, the box, monthly box of sorts uh, that I've ever How done. Oh, are you doing
2: one of those things?
1: Never done it before. Hmm. I subscribed to Naomi Kyle's Quarterly. I believe it's at quarterly.co. There's numerous individuals on there, not all gaming related. Uh, Naomi Kyle is also the host of IGN's Daily Fix. And uh, the box wasn't bad. Uh, the One of the more unique items in there was a copy of Ready Player One, the novel. Hmm. But it had sticky notes throughout with her handwritten notes on her feelings and thoughts throughout. That was interesting, so I don't want to sound stupid. So obviously they must have printed, uh, I don't know how they did it, but with the sticky notes they must have reprinted all her handwriting. But I'd never seen that done before.
2: Yeah, that's kind of interesting.
1: Because I've actually seen some insider stuff outside of this, like marketing-wise for gaming and stuff through people I know. Like I've seen catalogs like with tchotchkes or trinkets, whatever term you want to use. And I've seen a lot of similar stuff as to what we see in stores, like kind of behind the scenes or how it gets from point A to point B. But I'd never seen that done in particular. Uh, Nonetheless, also in that box was uh, an autograph photo of her, uh, which was phenomenal uh, for me. Uh, 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 ha ha uh, Then they had a, There was a nice print An exclusive piece of art From Destiny There was also a 8 gig memory stick With a Star Wars character on it I actually gave that away As a little gift I actually gave that To Neil's daughter uh, And there was a couple What else Oh you, uh, get this You know what was in there That was surprising and The mm. only reason it didn't work out As well is because I had it already You ready for this uh, Dead Rising 3 Huh uh, Digital sure. code
0: Interesting. But yeah,
1: so technically, you know what? Now that I think about it, there was a game in there, technically. So anyway, that was, it's 50 bucks a quarter. You can cancel any time. That was the first box. I did it as a test. The second box is being worked on right now for June. She did an update, ironically. I think it was yesterday. But it was weird. You ready for this? She gave a hint as to what the theme is for the next box. And I don't know what to think of this one, uh, Shidoshi. One of the terms that she used was gamer fuel.
2: Uh-oh.
1: <laughs> Uh-oh. Does that mean I'm getting a box of, like, Venom and Nas? Yes. And uh, Red Bull? And maybe a bag of Doritos with the
2: Halo characters on it? Yeah, we, we actually got at EGM, we got, like, some bags of the Gamer... I don't, like, it was actually, I think, was it called, called Gamer Fuel? Like, the, like, mixed nuts and, and things like that? <sighs> oh, I
1: didn't think of that. Like, it could be snack, not just, uh... Yeah.
2: Oh, really? That stuff mm. just annoys, me. like all that stuff. which just really annoys me. But you know, like you're, you're okay. So this is interesting now because you're saying this, and I was just thinking that, you know, I've got a bunch of like old games that I I just like don't want anymore, and I didn't know what to do with. Right, mm-hmm. and they range from not so exciting to very exciting.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Like I should do a thing where like I charge people like let's say ten bucks, <laughs> right?
1: and they get like a little mystery like a uh, mystery and they box get, they
2: get a game right i send them a game and you don't know like what game you're gonna get like you could say what platform you wanted maybe but you wouldn't know like what game and so maybe if you're 10 bucks you get a game that's actually worth a dollar or two but maybe if you're 10 bucks you get a game that's worth like, 20 20 bucks or something like that hmm i should think about that like as a way to like, like a fundraiser <laughs> interesting
1: uh, speaking of limited editions, going down my list here of unique items, I did invest in the limited. Or oh, you ed- know, you know what we could do, yep.
2: you know we could do before you go on. Yep. Uh, we could do a box thing where you get randomly you get three of our old podcasts.
1: Oh my god! That you
2: could already get for free online, uh, but on don't, a memory don't, stick. Yes. Yeah, don't. Yeah. <laughs> don't think about that part. Just you randomly get a memory stick with with three random podcasts.
1: Put it on there. a zip disk
2: oh you know what i still have my zip drive so don't don't tempt me
1: i uh i don't do all of the limited editions like i used to i know we've gotten into this conversation in the past and you really surprised me saying you get a whopping zero of the limited editions Mm -hmm. i pick and choose now i want to say i'll brag a little i picked a good one I did the limited edition FF Type Zero from Square Online. I actually pre-ordered this several months ago, but it finally came out obviously last month. That limited edition, I tell you what, that was pretty good by today's standards. Like I always use this kind of as the measuring stick, so I hate to sound repetitive, but like I always kind of think of in the West that working designs was always kind of really set that bar for a long time and like nowadays as we've talked about it's always like you get a voucher or some dumb skin for your gun or some crap like that in a tin case this one had it did have a steelbook case it had a selected soundtracks disc the game itself the FF15 demo but then it also had the volume 1 the FF type 0 manga which was actually printed on fairly high I almost want to use the word beautiful paper And it also had these nice cards uh, related to the FF Zero universe. And, oh, and a uh, hardcover art book.
0: Hmm.
1: So that one, thumbs up. But that was exclusive online. And as it was also the first limited edition I've ever ordered from Square, they've had some tempting ones in the past and ones that I've wanted, but they're rather spendy. This one wasn't astronomical. I really thought this one was worth it um so yeah so that's that's of note i don't know if you can still find them but uh, that was online and you know only
2: f- 50 years from now when you're dead and your kids are having to go through your house <laughs> to figuring out what the hell to do with all these limited edition games that the dad <laughs> hoarded away in closets and, and corners Ooh. they're gonna hate you they're gonna hate you for having bought game
1: things god like wouldn't that. that suck imagine them not being into games at all could you imagine that having a house of that and just not being into that hobby being into the n f l and golf but
2: um that's the, you know that's really the like see so yeah, so it's i said so, you know as I kind of briefly mentioned on here i I went home recently and I was going through my old stuff and I'm like, oh here's my you know neo Geo here's my genesis and like, I, I love having that stuff, but it just it takes up so much space in your life, you know? Like, because you have, like, it's not just, like, a system. Okay, here's the system, and then here's the plugs for it, and here's the adapter, and then the four controllers I have to have for it, and the power cable. And then here's the second box that has the games I have <laughs> for it in it, and stuff like that. and. Ugh.
1: Well, one of the things I told myself start starting this year is – now, uh, there's a caveat to this. I, I'm not going to eliminate art books I buy. There are still art books that I will want down the road because I'm a sucker for that. But when it comes to magazines, I'm pretty much down to two magazines, uh, physical, and that's it. That I'll yeah, buy.
2: Well, magazines are the worst because – I've you know really I mean? had
1: to get – I've really had to buckle <sighs> down on that.
2: Those – I mean – have you, I mean, like, because I don't know, like, how you store your magazines, but I have, you know, kind of like the, I don't know, because we, 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 like, to say like the, the paper boxes, like, the box that, you know, like I used to work at Kinko's, and they'd have the box that, like, the reams of paper would come in. And so it was, like, a nice size little box, and they're they're perfect for putting, like, two, two stacks of magazines side by side in the box, you know? Mm-hmm. And you fill those things up, and it's, like... Like God, it feels like fifty pounds or something like that, you know, of just magazines in this one box. And I have, you know, of course, I have my entire run of Game Fan. I have like the first handful of years of EGM. I had the first handful of years of Next Generation. I have some, you know, a couple years of Video Game and Computer Entertainment. I have a number of years of of old school Nintendo Power. You know, like all these different kind of magazines. And those just take up so much room, right? I've, I've, and they're so heavy to move.
1: I, I, uh, for most of them, not all, I have them in these snap tight plastic containers, uh, magazine cases I got from the container store.
0: Hmm.
1: I'll take a photo for you later after the show. I'll give you an example, but, but yeah, nonetheless, either way you cut it, it's still heavy. I can't detract from that, but they are. They're more easy on the eyes. The problem with me, like you, is it's just that I've got, I got so many of. Them.
2: Yeah, said I mean like you know, just game fan alone. That's like you know how how many issues you know like years of issues.
1: <laughs> yeah, and just, but um. Well, be- before we uh, sign out here, yeah. So you've been you've been doing a lot of travel and all that, but you just, uh, I guess, a little shout out. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if you want to get into your personal business. We'd have to get into all of it, but like, uh, you did a little trip back home, some family related stuff, and uh, everything's kind of back on the upswing uh, right now. Yeah,
2: yeah, because yeah, because I I was out in Boston uh, for PAX East, and then I kind of had to take a last minute or sudden trip um, back home to see family. I was up there about for a week and a half or so, and just got back. So yeah, th- things are kind of calmed down with that. There was some some health issues going on, but. Um. Yeah, everything's fine now, and it was kind of fun to to go back and see friends and stuff. And they actually, uh, we went to this this was they call like a beercade. There, like I don't know if you've ever been to one of these, but it's basically like kind of like a an arcade and a bar combined.
1: Oh, uh, I've heard of it. The barcades.
2: Yeah, I'm sorry, barcade. That's what I was yeah, say.
1: I, yeah. And I don't want to brag. I don't. I don't want to say Portland started it or ground control here, but I notice that concept i see that elsewhere on youtube videos now right but, but keep yeah. going
2: yeah but no it's like, it like it was kind of cool you know it's kind of a cool little thing and it was just so funny because um i got on the galaga machine like somebody was playing it right and then mm. i was like I, I was getting ready to go play and then somebody got onto it Then wait till he got off and i went to play and one of my friends was sitting there watching me And I don't know, like, how far most people get when they play play Galaga, but I was on, like, I I think it was stage, like, 28 or 29 when I finally died or something like that, you know? And my friend's just sitting there, like, he's like, holy crap, I didn't know people could even get this far in the game, you know? (laughs) And I got a score, like, the highest score that was just way beyond any of the scores on there. Really? Yeah.
1: Yeah, you're pretty good at that. You would be uh as I've learned in the untold history of Japanese game developers, I dare say you would be a scorer. <laughs> there's
2: a there's a few games like I mean, I was super big into you know, I've uh Pac Man C E for a long time.
1: Yeah, you were hardcore into that.
2: Yeah, and then Galaga a ja- became like Geometry was really Wars. Into. Um Geometry Wars not I'm not super into I I have played it a little bit. And I do enjoy it, but I, I didn't get into it until Part 3 came out. Um, but I'm also – there's like Resogun and then Super Stardust. So yeah, I mean like there's kind of I'm, – I'm like – I'm really into like the – oh, and there was also – what was it? Um, there was the Star Soldier uh, caravan version that came out on, on the on the Wii U. Oh. Okay. Where where it was it wasn't like the old school like NES version. It was kind of like a, a, a I don't know if it was a remake or if it was a, just a new version, but it's kind of like where you went in for the two like two four five minute. There's like two minute four minute five minute kind of like different modes. Wow. And so I'm really into those kind of games where it's it's kind of like short bursts and you see just how many points you can score in that that right. short time. So yeah, so I don't know. Like I'm I'm into those kind of like like a little more old school score attack stuff. Right, it depends on the game because there's like a lot of that kind of stuff.
1: Mm. That's fun though. I like that. You know, I've always said this. You know, in and out. You know, you, you get right into it. Yep. You're doing some gaming, and you can get your fix, and then you're done.
2: Yep, and that's why I'm. I'm I was just today playing. There's that game, Rogue Legacy. I don't know if you have touched that at all or not.
1: Um. Why am I thinking of a RPG?
2: This is. Um, so it's kind of like a side-scrolling, looks kind of like a 16-bit. Uh, I think I'm mixing
1: it up with Rogue Galaxy.
2: Yeah. But yeah, this is a 16-bit kind of side-scrolling action game. But what's interesting is, so you go into the castle, and every time you go into the castle, it's like a roguelike where the castle changes layouts and stuff. And then when that character dies, you then play the offspring of that character. Oh, really? And then when that character dies, you play their offspring. What? And so you're kind of going through generations. And <laughs> what you're trying to do is whatever money your parent collected, then the offspring gets. So at the start of the game, before you enter the castle, you spend some of that money to try to upgrade yourself or buy better armor or stuff so that you're kind of like generation by generation trying to better yourself. And what format is this on? Um, I'm playing on a PS4. Really? I know, that's also, I know that's also on, on Vita. And I think. What else was it? Free?
1: And that's a digital download. Is that a, was that a freebie?
2: Yeah, a th- I it. Mm, yes, it was one of the PS Plus games.
1: You know, I think no one. I think uh, Neil, told was telling me about that.
2: It's also on um, PC, Linux, OS X, PS3, wow. and Xbox One. Wow. So, or I'm sorry, Xbox One is to be announced for for this year. Oh no, kidding. Yeah. Yeah, but that, that's a kind of example of those games where you can go in and play it for like five minutes and be done. Right. You know. So.
1: Well, well, we are approaching the three-hour mark. I guess this we're is going
2: not to- a podcast you can listen to for five minutes and be done. <laughs> this is a long. This is like a, a long haul.
1: One could actually, pro- you could probably go through the original Strider about six times <laughs> in listening uh, to one of our episodes. This current episode. I had some other stuff we don't have to get into it tonight. I think it may be very dry, and I apologize if my sound is all over the place because I'm moving the mic all over as I'm grabbing this. I I did a, b- a bunch of
2: uh, article cutouts from the Wall Street Journal. <laughs> it's, it's so it's like so quaint that you're actually like having like papers. Well, you know why
1: and stuff like that. We get these. We get them at my office, and amid using the bulk of the sections is. Uh, Toilet paper. <laughs> there, no, it's it, funny because,
2: yeah, because I, I used to work at a law firm um, where we get the Law Street Journal every day, and there were, actually were some interesting game stories in there sometimes.
1: And I'm not going to go, I, so let's do this. Let's end it on this. I have like eight things cut out. I'm going to read the headlines, and then when you stop me and it sounds like one might be interesting, I'll read it or read a chunk.
0: Okay.
1: Let's see what I, I'm. Okay. YouTube has 1 billion viewers no profit just tell me that's, next or stop
2: that's um i don't know if i'm surprised by that or not because it's funny because i i feel like a lot of like Google's a weird company because i feel like a lot of what they do just doesn't have profit doesn't isn't profitable but yet somehow they have a lot of money to do stuff
1: yeah, I'll just uh, I won't go through the whole thing. Uh, <clears throat> it says the online video unit posted revenue of about 4 billion in 2014 up from 3 billion a year earlier according to two people familiar with its financials as advertiser-friendly moves enticed some big brands to spend more. But while YouTube accounted for about 6% of Google's overall sales last year, it didn't con- contribute to earnings. By comparison, Facebook Inc. generated more than $12 in revenue and nearly three in profit from its 1.3 billion users last year. Ultimately, what they're getting at here with the YouTube uh, pieces, because I read this, I thought it was kind of interesting, is that ultimately one of the things that they want to do with YouTube is they want you to look at it like when you turn on your device, you're using it like your TV, like checking that first and not just getting redirected or away from the site via links. Mm -hmm. But you know what's funny? Admittedly, that's how I personally use YouTube for the last couple of years due to my Apple TV and devices like that.
2: Yeah. You know, it's 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 like it's so funny because at this point um, – and I, I, I don't think this is weird. I think this is how a lot of younger people are. And I'm not sure if I'm still a younger person or not, but it's it's how I am kind of too is that um, if I'm like sitting down you know, – I'm like one of those people like I want to sit down and eat lunch and I want to watch something while I'm eating. Like I don't watch as as a lot of TV – overall but i do like to have me to watch when i'm eating or whatever um i oftentimes will just go to youtube
1: i I'm, yeah you i've know? got i even subscribe to some specialized services you know like i've said crunchyroll netflix all that crap but you know honestly i bet you if you spread out my time and see when i saw what i spent the most time on it's probably youtube
2: yeah so
1: i'll move on with these headlines you stop me if anything sounds interesting <clears throat> A Billion Dollar Startup. Gear for Serious Gamers. And this is discussing Razer and Power. Maybe a pass on that one. It I don't even know
2: what that means. I,
1: I, I, Sony pushes ahead on Web TV service.
2: So that, I think, is what, Position View?
1: Um, It says... Uh, by Eric Fanner and Takashi Mochizuki. Tokyo Sony Core is ramping up its online TV efforts in the U.S. but will face competition from a number of other companies targeting consumers who don't have pay television service. Yeah.
2: yeah, it's PlayStation View. Yeah, it's it's really interesting because, I mean, this is kind of like the replacement for cable TV. Um, but it feels like it's kind of expensive for what you get. Like if you look at the channel selections, like I don't, I don't think you're getting as much as you should be getting for the, the, the pay levels. And there are at least a few big channels that are kind of missing.
1: Funny enough, I, I dare say you just sparked my memory. Didn't you do something on this on EGM Now like a month or two ago?
2: Yep, we did. Yeah. And, and it's it's funny too because like it's a, it's a digital service, right? And it's a streaming service. Mm-hmm. But you still have to like DVR TV shows. And your DVR will expire after like 30 days. What a pain in the ass yeah it's it's I think the problem is like they're trying to they're trying to push technology forward, but all mm. these media companies um have such antiquated ways of thinking about things, you know so oh
1: how weird yeah let's see what else I just got I got a couple more we got gamestop needs an escape plan
2: I'm guessing that's because of all the digital sales maybe
1: yeah, but I'll admit even in reading this it didn't seem as doom and gloom as the headline is. <laughs> This one isn't too long. I can probably bang this out. It says by Dan Gallagher. This is a couple weeks ago. Like characters in the video games it sells, GameStop keeps finding new ways to escape what seems a dark fate. GameStop is wily enough to realize it can't bank its entire future on young shoppers walking into its stores to buy expensive game discs. That action is moving online at a brisk pace. This explains why GameStop is building a side business selling smartphones, tablets, and other devices. It has even picked up 163 stores from the failed Radio Shack to expand this effort. But this segment accounted for less than 6% of revenue for the 9-month period ended November 1st. Games, both new and used, remain the core of GameStop's business. And with more than 6,200 stores dedicated to selling them, the company still needs gamers to keep coming through its doors. That is important to remember as GameStop on Thursday reports results for its fiscal fourth quarter ended in January. Analysts expect revenue to have slipped 2% from a year earlier to $3.6 billion, mostly due to a decline in game sales over the holidays. Earnings, meanwhile, are seen having climbed 14% to $2.16 a share as the company manages its bottom line by controlling expenses and buying back shares. Games factor heavily into the company's outlook as well. New game software accounts for about one-third of GameStop's revenue, but the company's largest source of profit has been sales of pre-owned games and hardware. There's a couple paragraphs left. It says... The growing installed base of Xbox One and PlayStation 4 consoles help both segments, as those devices are now in their second year of life. That is enough time for players to start recycling game purchases to help feed the used business. At least, that is the hope. Wall Street expects GameStop to deliver 6% revenue growth in the current fiscal year, ending next January. That would be the fastest pace in six years. Hitting such a high target will require an attractive slate of new games. Yet this year's new game pipeline isn't overflowing so far and more gamers are opting for direct downloads. In closing it says, granted with the stock trading at less than 11 times forward earnings, investors aren't expecting GameStop to shoot the lights out. But while there is something to be said for managing decline, it won't win investors a lot. Of bonus points,
2: I'm mm. not. Um, I don't really like GameStop, and like I don't mean that to be against any people who work there because I think most people who work there are, are you know, perfectly fine people. Right. But as a company, I just don't really like. It. I don't like their business practices. I don't like <coughs> how they just kind of just destroy like old games. You know, I mean, you, you'll see like games like they, they they don't think they can sell anymore. They'll literally just put into, like, you know, grinders and grind them up and, you know, throw the pieces away. Or, you know, how they'll, like, throw away boxes for, for games and just have the kind of cartridge to save oh, space. God. right. Or they'll, like, sell you a game that is not new because it's opened, which is not new. <laughs> and they'll tell you that it's new, and, you know, that drives me crazy. And oh. what bugs me, like, just today is I remember the fact that Child of Flight was coming out. For Vita
0: mm-hmm.
2: physically here in America finally um I didn't and know I that. yeah and I went to Amazon to ooh, see if I could order it and it was on Amazon and it seems like gamestop's the only place that has the physical version really which sucks cause I really don't
1: well uh, as many it. know I, I worked there for several years of my younger life and I've had my ups and downs with them. I echo your statement in regards to the company as a whole. I will say down the road for me, which is uh, just due to pure laziness and ease of access, uh, you know, they're right down the road for me. And I will say the current team they have at the store down the road for me, uh, there's a shout out to store 332. I will give them credit. They have great people working there right now, the whole team from top to bottom. I'm impressed. And you ready for this to date myself? Do you know how long... I've been shopping at that location hmm. that I frequent. You ready? 24 years. Wow. <laughs> I've seen a lot. I've worked with a lot of people and I've seen a lot of people come and go. Some really great people. I mean, that's how I met Neil. But uh, And I've seen some Bad people as well. But so let me ask you a question. Yep.
2: And I and this might I know this is a question that you'll know an answer to, but I want to get your opinion on it. Yep. Because I had a I I did go into GameStop when I was at back home, and I had an encounter. Not I mean, it's not an encounter, but I had a certain thing that happened upon my walking in that made me wonder. So let's say there's two people working in the store. Behind the counter, right? Okay. And, I mean, obviously, it, it kind of depends on how busy that store is and things like that. Right. But I think one of the general things is if you are free and there's not many people in the store, <clears throat> that one of the people will come from behind the counter and walk over to you and be like, "Hey, is there anything I can help you find?" You know, and, and then say like, "Oh, just <clears throat> let you know we have these certain deals going on, and stuff like that." Right. Right. Okay. Let's say there's a GameStop store and it has two, two people behind the counter. One is male, one is female. Okay. Okay? So so both genders are represented behind the counter. <laughs> right. Okay. Do you think, said either from your knowledge or just your opinion, do you think that who walks out from behind the counter if, if they are both in the exact same position of being free, Depends on the gender of the person that just walked in no no okay
1: not to uh, you're saying to clarify if a girl walks in and there's a and one of the workers behind the counter is a girl, like are you saying the girl may be more inclined to walk out to greet the girl and the guy yes. the guy accordingly
2: well my because my thought was. That perhaps the girl would come out from behind the counter to interact with a female customer because there would be the mentality that a potential female customer would feel more comfortable dealing with a fellow female than with a male coworker because. He may potentially kind of treat her as kind of you know a, the the girl who doesn't know about video games.
1: Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a couple I'm gonna give you a couple answers on this because it, okay. The, your logic on that is possible. Do I think that's happened or could happen? Sure. But I'm gonna throw you a curveball in a sense that. It also wouldn't surprise me with the female working behind the counter that they send her out for when the guys walk in because it's in many situations could be an easier sale or upsell.
2: Sure. That, that makes sense to me too.
1: But, but some of my old school thinking or train of thought is completely thrown out the window now versus when I work there because when I work – well, a couple – two quickies. Let's start with this. First person that ever gave me my first job, and the person that hired me there, was a woman, mm-hmm. and she was great too. She was a older, and nice lady, and um, I, I can't. I, I don't have anything bad to say. But like, she, I'll never forget that she she hired me, liked me. I I was sixteen at the time. I think I was the youngest person she ever uh, hired. That was like back in '97. But the point is, outside of her. Once she left, there was like only one girl that worked at that place. Like, and that Mm -hmm. uh, my first time I left was around ninety nine. You never saw a girl working at GameStop, right? But the reason I say all my theories and stuff are thrown out the window now because I would say in the last decade, and especially in the last five years, I mean. I can't believe the amount of female workers, and that's not a knock, like they don't belong there, like I just can't believe how it went from zero or one to like half the staff or sometimes more, and I think that's great, but I think the reason I make note of that is like those old school stereotypes of like this girl doesn't know games or we're gonna send her out to talk to this guy to lock a sale. Yeah, some of that may still work, but like it's an open field now, like, It's, like, those, like, and here's the thing, like, some of the, the couple of the girls that used to be in that store, and I'm not, like, knocking them, they really didn't know a whole lot about games, but the ones now, like, there's no difference, you you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Because gaming has exploded and gotten so mainstream, like, it, I mean, there's, the girls know more than some of the, the guys, so yeah, okay. I, I, you know, I mean, yeah. there's other there's other things I could get into about GameStop, right. which would probably be more interesting. <laughs> more interesting, but yeah, to answer that question, I think it's perfectly possible and probably goes well. On. It was
2: one of those, it was one of the things where I I really I my my thought was okay, it's it this is just a case of who was the closest, right? You know, like in this situation, it's probably just like okay, whoever was the closest person to go out and greet the customer was the one who went out but then I said my brain started the little wheel started going and I was like I wonder in situations where you have both gender behind the counter if there's ever the thought to send <laughs> out specifically send out the female coworker to greet female customers let, let me give you a
1: textbook answer if we're going by the book here and some of this could have changed from my time there so this could be outdated information let's make that clear you got two people working in there. <clears throat> one of them could be assigned to working the register behind the counter and the other one like labeling back stock or taking in trade. So right. sometimes it may not even come down to who's closest or man or woman. It could just be uh, come down to who's assigned to what station. Also, sometimes, right. as you know, someone could be working counter and someone working the floor or the back room with the walkie-talkie communicating up to the front uh, counter.
2: Yeah. So, and, I mean, and, there's a and, lot of
1: variables.
2: And kind of like what you mentioned earlier, I think in that case, it might make more sense to have the female coworker be in that position because if the female customer comes in, then that customer potentially feels more comfortable that's true. talking yeah, that's, to a female. And right. then if a male customer comes in, then he might be more apt to talk to her and get swindled into buying stuff <laughs> because she's she's the gamer girl, you know. Right. So,
1: man, I I remember. <laughs> I remember working one or two of the girls, and they yeah they'd they'd like get hit on all the time. Or
2: oh, I I can oh they, god, I'm, I can imagine. I'm, <laughs>
1: <laughs> but there's so many. There's so many more now. Like I know I sound like such an old man, but like I I can't believe it. You know what I mean? It's yeah. how, how much is blown wide open. But yeah, so, but yeah, I mean, other interesting, I mean, yeah, I don't know. There's so many GameStop stories.
2: And well, and by the way, I just found out the Trial of Light is on Best Buy, so I have Best Buy as an option too.
1: <laughs> you know what? I used to love uh, the the anal aspect of me. Um, I used to love using that shrink wrap machine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I remember I showed my friends when I first started working there. We thought it was the coolest thing. And they were, like, back there with me. We were doing the stupidest stuff. And they were, like, giving me their wallet and other stuff. Oh, they no, just no, no.
2: Like- yeah, because yeah, we, we had a – I remember we got a shrink wrap. I worked for Kinko's. And we got a shrink wrap machine at Kinko's. And we did the same thing. We like, trying to figure out anything we could do to shrink, anything we could shrink wrap just to try it and see how it would work.
1: The simple things.
2: Yeah. It's like, like, it's like, here's my banana for lunch. I'm going to shrink wrap it, you know.
1: So, yeah. Oh. But – uh do you do you live close to uh, GameStop?
2: I live five minute walking distance. Wow! Maybe wow! Maybe like Basically, across like a block and a half away.
1: Oh, I'm close enough to my. Like, I am. I'm like two and a half miles from mine three, but oh, thank God, I'm
2: not five minutes from mine because I I have to get a cot. You know. You know the funny part, and I don't know if anybody else in the world. I mean, well, obviously they could, but like, I don't know anybody else who could ever say this. I I live a block and a half away from two Apple stores.
1: Uh, I'm no, I'm not that close. I'm
2: like, I mean, because I'm very if,
1: close to three, but the distances are greater than than that.
2: Because I mean, so like if if I go to the end of my block and then. Just go over one block. There are basically then two malls, right next to each other.
1: Wow how many How many stores are in each of these malls? If you don't mind, are they pretty big?
2: The one is a very very big mall, mm-hmm. and the other one's kind of like the the new style of like outdoor mall. Oh okay. And that has probably mm, between twenty to thirty. I don't know if it's that yeah. that high. But it's a decent, decent size. I mean, we're talking a pretty, like, if you have, like, a square block, that entire square block is just nothing but mall because of the two malls next to each other. Mm. Maybe more than that. I don't know. It's it's a, it's a really decently sized shopping area. But it's, a, yeah, so I I live literally a set of, a, a, maybe even less than a block and a half away from two malls. And for some reason – each of those malls has an Apple store. Wow. And so when I, when I lived back home, like the one Apple store in town was completely across town from me. <laughs> you know, but now I, yeah, there's two of those. There's a GameStop, a bunch of other stuff. So
1: Let's say this is, we're winding down. I think I've said this twice, but you mentioned Apple. I promise this will be the last thing we've gotten through our news articles. And I'll try and get more of those in the future if there's anything interesting to, I think some of those are fun sometimes. Speaking of the Apple store, real quick. No, are you, are you surprised? Okay. Uh, from what I heard, that all that the Apple watches are sold out until June.
2: Oh, okay. Then my answer is so still no. No, I'm not. I'm not surprised. That at this point, anything Apple, anything Apple releases, is that that first wave is sold out. That's just how it's gonna go. Mm-hmm. I thought you sure ask if I wanted one. I've no I interest, do, I, I'm.
1: I'm. My verdict on this is yeah. With this right now, this version, no.
2: I can't. But I mean, like, I can't even imagine ever wanting to want to wear a watch again at this point. I don't know.
1: Yeah, I. And it's so funny because I was such a watch fiend. Like the, up until a few years ago, I couldn't. You know how you can't leave your house without the phone, right? I couldn't leave my house without my watch on.
2: But I mean, I, I think I, too but that now. I think, but I haven't
1: worn a watch now in several years.
2: Yeah, but I think too for guys, it is kind of like a fashion accessory. I mean, like you know, because you don't really have a whole lot of options for for right. like accessories like that. So I I think you know for someone in your case, it it would be more of that kind of thing.
1: Well, you know, it's funny. I didn't know this till recently. I guess women look at like when they're when they're eyeing up a man or like you know, kind of get an idea maybe what they're worth or whatever. Which they get fooled with me because I got a whole bunch of video games and that's it. Oh, the watch is one of the things that they, you know what I mean, that they take oh, yeah, into yeah. consideration. No,
2: that makes yeah. No, I I yeah. totally believe that. Um, so then the question becomes like, I better, get,
1: it, I better get that gold Apple
2: Watch. I mean, but even then it, it's like, okay, do do I do I think a guy's kind of you know is is the Apple Watch. Like an att- point of attraction or a, no? A point, I don't a, think a, so. a Turn off. I don't know? think
1: so. Yeah. I mean, because that's going to be no. I I don't. No. But I did I, take. Like, a, I, I, yeah. I,
2: <laughs> I don't know. Like I just don't know about <clears throat> these things. Like I don't. I don't know. What that kind of watch like where it fits into life. And I mean, like the the things like. I can kind of think of like okay, like the health tracking, right? Like okay, that makes sense. But you know, you can get the kind of the, the Fitbits and whatever, right? That right. do almost the same thing, and that you only wear when you're doing the health stuff. Right. Are way way cheaper. Like <clears throat> that makes sense to me. I I don't I don't know, like because the- I mean, like we're seriously we're seriously at a point in life where we're saying. Man, pulling my phone out is too hard. I
1: agree yeah i need I, to, I need,
2: I need yeah. a device so I don't have to right. pull my phone out, but, the, but then it's like there's like okay, looking at my wrist is too hard. I need like the glasses <laughs> that connect to my watch that connects to my phone, <laughs> so I don't even have to like raise my arm up because that was the deal really the deal hard. breaker
1: for me was that even though it's logical and makes sense that you still need the iPhone close enough for like to yeah it, it's too complicated. it's I don't want to say I'm never going to get an Apple Watch down the like I'm talking like second or third generation like I don't want to close that door and then be a liar but I can tell you for this first generation I'm out. I would rather take my money at this point uh, cuz I got the the you know the Mac Air but like if I were to get money down the future I would consider like an iPad Air 2. I don't have any of the iPads. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. So like I I have a tablet from a few years ago a Samsung which I like but like it may be getting close to that time to make that jump up and I think because uh, I saw a buddy of mine get the iPad Air two the silver mm-hmm. and I gotta admit I I liked it
2: yeah I I have the iPad Mini um the Retina one I I really like that yeah something like that I can totally see yeah
1: but, but I can't justify that watch
2: it's just like because my phone it's one of two places it's my back pocket and in my, my, in my bag one of the two right you know so like my phone is always there and and getting my phone out is not a big deal at all and i don't, don't i just cannot understand why like and i mean especially for guys too right okay so you know for 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 guys like you guys are um just like you don't have purses right <laughs> so where's your phone your phone's in your front pocket or your back pocket right yes yes yeah, okay. phone wise, that's correct. I just yes. got made
1: fun of the other day for what someone perceived as me having a purse, but it was
2: <laughs> was it was it a purse or was it like a messenger bag?
1: <laughs> it was uh, like a t- I call it like a tote bag, but I got it in mm. PAX twenty twelve. Ironically, it was the Metal Gear. Oh my god! Do, Do you know you what, what I'm talking
0: public? about? Did
2: you go out in public with that? Did you really? <laughs> Anthony, we need to talk at some point because. That's not, a, that's not okay. I, that's not, I, that's I not bring, okay.
1: <laughs> but it was the one from the Konami booth.
2: Is there a picture of this bag I want to see?
1: I'll say It looks like, okay, uh, like a... De- metal,
2: it almost gear, looks like a Desert Storm camel. Wait, Metal Gear Man Purse. I'm going to look up those words. Let's see what I get. I bring it to work every day. You know, I. You know. okay, so here's the thing, Anthony. <laughs> I searched. I saw... I saw a Japanese businessman,
1: a worker at Konami, buy one. And I
2: searched I, Metal Gear Man <laughs> purse, and I'm pretty sure I found your bag. Send me the link. Is it okay? Does it, does it say Metal Gear on it?
1: Yeah, it says Metal Gear Solid. Yeah,
2: it, and, and it's brown. It's
1: like, uh, mine is um more of like a desert camo, <laughs> like white okay. and brown. A white and brown. Kinda, yeah, yeah.
2: Um, does it does it have okay? Wait.
1: And it's got like the two large handles up top, you know, it's like a
2: Does it have a character on it? No. Oh, okay. Maybe I don't know. It's have, just maybe camouflage. I, maybe I didn't find the one. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> you might be okay then, so the one I found was very questionable, but No.
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: I mean is is it, obvious? is it an is it an obvious let's well, see here's the thing like if it's camel, I think you're okay because I think that that's still kind yeah it's of, camel
1: yeah the the one of my coworkers a girl came up to me she goes, oh, she's like, why do you have a purse <laughs>
2: <laughs> but you no you look you know what guys mess <laughs> like guys can do messenger bags and i I think that you absolutely should because like I don't know like bags and purses are actually pretty awesome and you can carry a lot of stuff i like i'm i I'm one of those people who I'm really one of the people who like can't leave the house without this and this and this and this and this and this. And <laughs> oh this and this. no! <laughs> you know, right, right. Yeah. So yeah, I, I could never live without one, and and mm. so I think you know if guys want to have that, they should be <laughs> yeah. able to have it. So.
1: Yeah. Well. Well, shoot. Well, I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad we got back together here. We got the yeah. uh, GVGP. The the wheels going again want to thank the listeners here as we are winding down on episode eight. We have surpassed the three-hour mark if you're still here with us. We want to thank you for staying for the ride. Thank you for subscribing on iTunes, your support on Twitter, social networking, recent donations, and all of that jazz. Thank you for supporting Morning Project. Also, as we always say, uh, we will be doing some more shows. We'll try and get a guest or two on in the next month or two realistically. I know we've been saying that for a little while, but it's been timing. We still plan to come through on our promises. And uh, worst case scenario, we will be back for GVGP 9 within the next 30 days or so. So uh, thank you once again. appreciate your support. And uh, on behalf of Shidoshi and myself, Anthony, thank you once again. And until next time.